0: Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. Now, what are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campy Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we usually don't have enough time to get through all the live comments and questions that get sent in. But since you sent in those questions and you supported this channel, I want to make sure your questions get answered in a timely, as a manner of possible as possible, so we gather up those unused questions and we address them here on companion videos now of course we had a lot that we were backed up on so we did a companion video yesterday and we're doing one again today and yes i did say we because joining me again today is kimberly kern kimberly thanks for being back here today hi guys thank you so much for having me back it is so good you have no (laughs) idea how much easier it makes it on me to have somebody else here to read the questions to to throw in a different perspective now again it's awesome and you were so good yesterday Thank you. You were so good. I,
1: I appreciate that so much. I watch the show every day. So just well, yeah, being in here is, to a, me. is a dream come true. So thank you. Thank
0: you. And it's awfully great that you came back in to help me again today because we do have more of your questions to get to. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right into it. Kimberly, where did we leave off?
1: All right, we left off at James Germain. James said, "Hey, John. When asked to describe the Fast and the Furious series, I often say it's a cross between Mission Impossible and Ocean's Eleven. How would you describe it? And P.S. You should check out Resident Alien with Alan Tudyk. It's hilarious. Pitter patter.
0: Let's get at her." First of all, Resident Alien with Alan Tudyk. I've seen the first three episodes. Oh yeah, they're wonderful. I really, it's it's charming. It's, I mean, it's not like a Breaking Bad kind of show. It's just very, very charming. As far as Fast and the Furious goes, I. Don't, Fast and the Furious is a series of films that has gone through identity changes. Like the first three, I, th- I personally think the first three are absolute crap and absolute drivel. The way I describe, especially the first one, is just a point break ripoff. Everything about the first Fast and the Furious is a plot point by plot point, beat by beat ripoff of the Keanu Reeves uh, Point Break film, uh, it's just it's just a complete utter Point Break ripoff. Two was terrible. I thought three was terrible, and then it wasn't until number four that I went, you know what, that wasn't bad. And they started to change their identity, and around number four they started to embrace a little bit of ridiculousness. Then we get into five and six and seven, and they really embrace the ridiculousness. And so I really don't know. It, it truly is. It's own thing. I wouldn't compare it to a Mission Impossible or a uh, Ocean's Eleven. It just it's just too. It, it just embraces its own ridiculousness so much, and I mean that in a good way. I've become a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise since beginning in number four, but really then in five, six, seven, and I enjoyed eight. It wasn't as good as some of the previous ones, but uh, I am a fan. But it's just too ridiculous to compare to Mission Impossible or Ocean's Eleven. So that's my take on that. All right. What's next? We have from
1: Dean Dillon. Hey, John, big fan. Looking to start my own channel like yours. But anyway, did you hear Brooklyn Nine-Nine is ending after season eight?
0: I did. And I can say wholeheartedly, I don't care. Now, I mean, I mean, oh, I take it you're a Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan, are you? Oh, my gosh. You and my wife both. My wife really likes the show. I, listen, I'm a big fan andy sandberg fan like lonely island i don't know if you listen or watch any lonely island stuff. yes yes how yes. good is lonely island race
1: i'm like first of all this is a jam this is a groove secondly what did you just say <laughs> i mean i love it did love you
0: it. did you see pop star never stop never stopping i sure did i love that movie Never stop stopping and what whatever it is whether it's i don't know like uh Dick in a box or uh, what? What was the one? Jizz in my pants is my favorite. Oh no, uh, the Captain Jack Sparrow song that they do. With <laughs> I love Lonely Eyes. So I went in and started They're watching. So I tried watching a couple episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine mm-hmm. because I love him so much. Yeah, and I love Terry Crews. And
1: I've been an Andre Bauer fan since Homicide: Life on the Street. <laughs> so you're like back. Deep. It goes back. It goes deep. So seeing him play the all seriousness, you're not entertaining me right now. Like. He plays that. He plays that. Because I'm, I'm well. thinking of Frank I, from Hamza, and and so I'm I'm connecting those two, and and I'm just like, man, I I this show has my heart. I, it's a
0: shame to see it go. And Chelsea Peretti. yeah, her cheer team. Come on. <laughs> and listen, I so I gave it a few episodes, and it just wasn't for me. Really? That's, that's all. But my wife really liked it too. But yeah, but still, like, it's a show that got canceled. And then got picked up and saved by another network where that didn't used to happen a lot, but we're seeing it happen more like uh designated survivor that happened to Lucifer, one of my favorite shows on TV right now that it happened to that happened to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, so, I mean, it had a good run. It lived beyond its years. And uh, I celebrate for those who are fans of it that you did get to get those extra seasons out of it. But uh, yeah, all good things, all good things come to an end. All right. What's next?
1: All right, from Roll of the Egg. Hi, John and Aaron. A possible theory on mutants is radiation energy. Radiation from the energy field created by Wanda, augmented in episode five, has caused mutations in some CBE twelve CBE twelve hundred Westview residents. This mutations these mutations are manifesting in an irregular manner, and. Like those time release medicine capsules, this way Kevin F. can have all the mutants he likes whenever and wherever he wants. Call it the Westview mutation. Heard anything about documentary on movie trailers?
0: Ah, very funny. Thank you for referencing my documentary about movie trailers. Yeah, we mentioned on yesterday's show. Here's the funny thing we as fans, and we are all guilty of it, me included we as fans, we see the tiniest little thing and we instantly want to jump and connect it to some some 15 other things, right? It's like, oh no, something went, this is damaging your cells. And everybody wants to jump to mutation X-Men mutations. And it's like, you know, Kevin Feige, he said he wasn't doing that. When he planned WandaVision, he started planning WandaVision before he even knew that Fox and Disney were going to have a merger. So... At that point, no. So, I, no, I don't think this is going to have anything to do with mutation. Now, listen, is it possible? Of course, it's possible. This is Kevin Feige. We live in a world, ladies and gentlemen, where Jamie Foxx is coming back as Electro, something that never we never thought could and certainly something that never should happen. As great as Jamie Foxx is, but that Electro character, no. We live in a, a world where Molina is coming back as Doc Ock. Did we ever think that would happen? Hell no, we never thought that would happen. We live in a world where people are saying they think Andrew Garfield and Tommy Maguire, even though they're now denying it. But there, there's still a lot of people out there who believe, I still kind of do too, that they're coming back to be Spider-Man again. Do we ever think that would happen? No, I don't think that all they're gonna do mutations here. This is not introducing mutants or the X-Men or anything like that. But even I can't deny this possibility. So I acknowledge the possibility, but I'm saying I really don't think that's what they're doing. All right, what's next?
1: All right, Eurobris says, WandaVision Theory, Doctor Strange shows up to undo all of Wanda's hexes. Ends in a fight slash showdown where Quicksilver helps Wanda fight him. Doctor Strange says, "Enough, enough lies, enough mutants." <laughs> in defiance, Wanda says, "No more mutants." Rewriting
0: some history. There's so much of that that I disagree with. <laughs> I mean, I interesting. Love the, I love the theory, but listen, there's a couple on a couple levels. Number one, I do not think Doctor Strange is showing up. I do believe somebody's going to show up, but I believe. The much, much bigger odds-on favorite of an Avengers character showing up is Hawkeye. Two reasons. Hawkeye has his own Disney Plus show coming out soon. And number two, he is Wanda's closest friend and closest ally. Uh, so that makes a lot more sense to me. But again, possible. I also don't think there's going gonna to be mutations or mutants things. And But I do think we are going to hear a reference of that famous House of M line, where Wanda says no more mutants and then 98% of the mutant population in the world lose their powers. Um, so there's this, for those of you who missed it, there's this great storyline where I guess Marvel's kind of feeling like there were just too many mutants in the world. Like they literally said there were millions at one point. So in house of event, Wanda, as a result of all this tragedy going on around her and her father kills her brother and all this kind of stuff. And she's had enough of it. And she says no more mutants. And she has total ultimate reality warping power and then the next thing you know literally there's only 198 mutants left in the world all the other um, all the other mutants are still there they just all lost their powers they're no longer mutants now they're regular humans oh. and there's actually this one great shot in the comics of the blob i don't you are you familiar with the the character of the blob who's he's, he's an x-men villain character he popped up in not. He popped up in X-Men Origins Wolverine, the movie with Hugh Jackman, where he's this huge, huge oh, guy. Yes, oh, in the ring. Yes, with in the, the ring with right? the faded buzz cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this great frame in the comics where after Wanda does the no more mutants, so nobody has their mutant powers or anything. The blob, that was kind of his mutant thing. And there's this frame of him now where he's just this regular guy with all of this saggy, loose skin. Oh, it's like, it's dude. like oh, Poor blah, poor blah, but no. So I do believe by the end of this thing, we're gonna get some kind of version of whether it's no more sword, or no more Avengers, or no more villains, or no more children if you wanna go really dark. Like when she loses her kids, she's gone. Um, so I don't know, we're gonna get something like that, but I don't think it's gonna be a mutants reference. But anyway, uh, Yorboros, so we're gonna keep our eyes on that because if you're right, I will remember you wrote that. Okay. What's next? All right. This is from Mikheel.
1: Is vibranium stronger than adamantium? I actually had this exact question. (laughs) I've never known anything about adamantium other than Wolverine having it. I don't read the comics because I don't know where to begin or how to catch up. And I was young when the
0: older X-Men movies came out. All right. So remember, there are two different things. There are the comics and then there's the movies. Some people still don't understand they are two different things. In the movies, especially in the Marvel Universe, they've never been allowed to address or reference or talk about or have in the movies adamantium. Because adamantium belonged in the X-Men universe, Fox owned the X-Men, or at least had the license on all the X-Men. So Marvel couldn't do that. So in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in the Cinematic Universe, vibranium, the strongest substance in the universe that, you know, limited humanity knows of. But in the comics, adamantium is the top shelf. So adamantium is shelf. now, but now Disney has Fox back. How, what are they going to do? How are they going to work adamantium in? When when we get Wolverine, are they just going to change it and say, you know what, we've already said in the MCU that vibranium is the strongest thing. Are we, so I, I'm really curious if they're just going to change the Wolverine character mm-hmm. instead of saying his bones are adamantium they're just going to say his bones are covered with vibranium instead mm-hmm. or if they will introduce adamantium and say no this is the strongest substance in the universe so i don't know i personally and i know it's not what i want them to do i think they're just going to say when they bring in wolverine look we've already done we're doing the vibranium thing so we're going to say he's got vibranium instead of adamantium what do you think they're going to do
1: i appreciate the education because i had that exact same question because <laughs> i am um, i'm 30 years old. And so I remember the X-Men movies coming out. So I think your I audio remember, cut out
0: there for a second, by I the way.
1: Re- <laughs> I remember learning about adamantium, but then this new generation, like the little ones in my life, they are, they're all about vibranium. So they have that question as well. And if you're going to introduce X-Men, they're automatically going to go, oh, look at Wolverine. Look how he struck through that. His claws are made of vibranium. So I can hear that happening amongst the youngins, as I like to call them. Um, And so I appreciate the education because I I did not know. Um, But it makes me think of course, because Kevin Feige, we like to tie everything in, and I know we're looking at X Men like way far down. But what if you know, um, you know, because maybe they'll bring in Storm because she had a relationship with Black Panther in some way. In some way, maybe she'll tie in. You know, my friend Wolverine yeah, needs
0: a. Except there's no some more some
1: replacements and.
0: But her relationship was her. with T'Challa.
1: Yes, and they're not yeah. doing
0: T'Challa anymore. So I I don't know that they're ever gonna tie in the the storm. You don't think they'll ever
1: they'll ever play like you know her ex? I don't think so. You know,
0: I don't think so. They totally Mm -hmm. should. But remember, Storm. There haven't been any mutants in the world up until this point, so they can't say it's her ex. So this is true. This is true. It gets complicated. All right, what's next?
1: All righty, this is from Anonymous. When watching WandaVision from the start again, I think during the black and white episodes, Wanda, like Vision, was not aware that she was in a fake world. But when she did find out at the end of the second episode, that's when everything turned into color.
0: Um, I, don't, I don't think so, and here's why. Really? Okay. Because when you, okay, let's look at, at this in terms of substance abuse for a second. You know when let's say you're watching a movie, TV show, and somebody's got something like some somebody's trying to deaden the pain, right? Mm-hmm. They just want to whatever. So when they take that shot or when they drink that drink,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're trying to forget.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Who are they trying to make forget? Themselves. Mm-hmm. The number one person Wanda is trying to fool, distract, um, make forget. Is herself this is all about again the way the atlantic put it in their as their headline was wandavision is a tragedy about a, uh, a woman desperately trying to deal with her grief and when you understand wandavision in that context you understand that she's trying to keep herself so the second most important person to fool is this vision iteration because if vision gets pulled out of it then it pulls her out of it too so she's trying as much to live in this moment and not be distracted out. So I think it it really is more co- connected to the time frame. They're in the 50s, so that's black and white. It, it, and then the 60s, but when they got to the 70s, whether Wanda was aware of things or not, it was still going to turn color. So anyway, that's kind of my take on it. All right, what's next?
1: This is from Sad Movies or Movies 2. <laughs> Films that turn 10 this week. Just go with it. Wow. Uh, Justin Bieber's doc, never say never.
0: <laughs> whoa. Uh, Nomeo and Juliet and the Eagle. I remember. Oh my god! I remember the Eagle. I, 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 the Eagle was. I was. This was right around the time when I was starting to wean myself off of going to the press junkets because I mean, the I used to go to every press junket. Like when I first started working with AMC, uh-huh. it was I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that I got to go cover red carpets. And I got to go to these press junkets where I got to sit one-on-one with like every movie star you can think of. And and that was seemed really cool. That sounds amazing to after me. After <laughs> doing it for about two years though, yeah, it gets real tired real fast. Oh, okay. And I guarantee you, that's not me acting cool. If you you ask anybody that does this for a living, if you did it too, I guarantee you, after a couple of years, you're like, you start to recognize it for what it is, a pain in the ass. Because you literally have to, book out your whole day to go to probably the Beverly Hills, uh, probably the Four Seasons Beverly Hills is where they normally do these junkets. They book out a floor of the hotel. You go up and you, you know, you sign in, you get invited to go to these things and you sit in this waiting area for like an hour and a half. It's a nice waiting area. You got other people that work in your field that you know, they serve, they usually have great buffet and great food to keep you happy. Nice. Then the way it works is, All the different stars and directors of the movie are in a different room on that floor. Okay. So let's say um, I was doing, like when I was doing an Age of Ultron press junket. They say, okay, John, your next interview is going to be with uh, Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth. They're in a room together. Mm -hmm. All right. So I go down to the room they're in and I have to sit and wait again because there's like chairs outside of the room with the next three or four people getting ready to interview them. Okay. so when it's finally your turn they come out and say okay john i'm like yep come on in so you go into the room you sit down so i go in i sit down with chris and chris and we chat for a few minutes whatever and then when they start rolling the cameras you get three minutes three minutes and they have somebody behind the camera looking at you going like, counting you down at how much time you have wow you got three minutes okay great three minutes so you go through that process. You get three minutes of a conversation. Mm. They give you the the discs, the 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 uh, the SD cards okay. with all your footage, and then you go home. You edit them. You work on them. Render them. Upload them, and then five hundred people watch it. Mm. Now, granted, the Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth one was different. That's the most popular interview I ever did because they were both I mean, high as hell. Million pounds of they were both <laughs> high as hell when I did that one, and it was the most hilarious interview. But honestly, I did I did one with Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, and it got like seven hundred views. Whereas the day before, we talked about whether uh, we did a random editorial video about should Wolverine use the old classic costume yellow spandex. Hmm. That video got twenty thousand views. So you understand the that- The ROI is not always. Yeah, no, the ROI was way <laughs> off. So I just but, burned the night before having to go see the movie. Yeah. Then I burned the whole book day that I have to drive to Beverly Hills. I mean, first world problems, but still yeah. you are literally losing your day. So you have to go to Beverly Hills to sit around for hours in a waiting room. Then you're spending more hours sitting in front of the room so to go in. All so you can get a three minute conversation and then maybe get five or 600 views. And then it was like, and I so I guarantee you, I'm not cool if you guys at home did this after a year or two, you would start getting tired of it too. That's a lot. Trust me, you would. And so I eventually started going, I'm not going to do this anymore. Hmm. So I started pawning it off on my employees. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, they saw it as me doing them a great honor. It's like, hey, how would you like to go? I would be
1: like... (laughs) you gave me the keys to the city yes you would
0: <laughs> at, like i would have at first too especially if it was I mean, oh my god. but after yeah. two years you'll be like uh can somebody else? and that's what happened a bunch of my staff they were like at first thrilled yeah yeah, we'll go yeah. we'll cover this thing and after a year or two be like uh, uh, i can do that john but can you send somebody else i mean that was what happened um, and we got on this whole sidetrack because of this whole thing no me and julia you're talking terrible about the justin Bieber's documentary <laughs> hey that dude went on to direct crazy rich asians and I love that movie. Same guy, nice. yeah. Same guy who did nice. that. Uh, Naomi and Juliet was was terrible. Eagle wasn't Level so up. good. Uh, so yeah, not not a great 10 year anniversary. Okay, sorry, We went way off on <laughs> way too much time on that than we should have. Okay, what's next?
1: All right, this is from Ethan Hunt. Hey, John, love the new setup. Congrats on your house, brother. Thank you so much, Ethan. I have to admit, when I see the headline that Corona was fired, I was livid. But your take made me understand the decision. I still don't agree with it, but I'm not mad anymore. I was just starting to feel excited for Star Wars again, and then the whole situation really rubbed me wrong. I hate to say it, but for me, Star Wars and being a Star Wars fan isn't fun anymore and hasn't been for a long time. Anyway, keep up the good work.
0: Yeah, again, we spent way more time in than we should have on the Gina Carano stuff but you guys keep wanting to ask about it, and that's fair um, yeah listen it sucks and I, look I'll tell you this too nobody is more upset and disappointed by all this than Disney is like they invested millions millions of dollars into promoting her having her as the character yeah. on the show building up the popularity of Mandalorian yeah. but when it comes down to it's like okay but if we keep her it's going to cost us more in the long run because she's proven we gave her one chance two chances three chances and then the fourth strike she was out she just wouldn't stop and we know we can't trust her and she's going to cause more damage than if we just had so believe me there is nobody more uh, upset about this like like they lost more money on this Mm. than anybody else so it is a it's a it's a sucky situation for everybody man it's a sucky situation for everybody all right what's next
1: this is from Dr. Film. Hey, John, when do you think HBO Max will be available in the UK? I heard it was gonna be launched in Europe the second half of 2021, just wondering.
0: You know, I honestly have no idea. It, it's, it is unfortunate that when these services like Disney Plus rolls out and they're launching with The Mandalorian and most of the countries in the world couldn't watch it and there was no other way to watch Mandalorian. So they all had to sit back and listen to everybody else in the world saying, Mandalorian's so great. Meanwhile, they're sitting in their countries like we have no way to even watch it but it there are there are reasons for it there's territorial rights licensing issues all that kind of stuff a lot of red tape it's not as simple as some people think of it's just throw a switch and make it available in europe it's not that simple um anyway i actually have no idea when they'll finally launch in the uk i know they desperately want to be there and i know i've heard they're said it's going to be probably second or third quarter of uh, 2021 so hopefully soon man hopefully soon all right what's next
1: Coming from Lieutenant Danielson, I think that Wanda is controlling characters that know. They're being held captive, Agnes, Herb, the doctor, but all of the people in town, including her kids, are being controlled by someone else. Odd that her powers don't work on the kids.
0: I I think the powers don't work on her kids because I think in her show they're not supposed to work on her kids. I honestly think that. I think it's because in her show, her powers aren't supposed to work on the kids, but it's it's interesting. There's only two things that her powers have not worked on. One is the kids, Mm -hmm. which is easily explainable if it's on its own. Okay, yeah. But the other was the stork. The powers didn't work on the stork. Yeah. So does that mean there's some kind of common denominator between the stork and the kids. Because listen, if it's just the kids, I can easily write that off. In the show, she's not supposed to be able to control the kids. Mm -hmm. But there was also the stork, Mm -hmm. which was, I think, a manifestation, Mm -hmm. again, of her own power. Maybe it's also supposed to just be an in-show thing. Like she's a witch and the stork is coming, delivering the babies, and therefore she can't get rid of it. I mean, I don't know. Do you think there's anything deeper than that? Like what... What was your theory when you were watching those first episodes yes. and like the stork is there and she couldn't make the stork disappear? Did you have any kind of thought as to why? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah? I thought it was weird. I was trying to pay attention to everything because I was like, everything made something. I definitely thought that was weird um, because other things like the helicopter and the beekeeper, she was yeah. like, no. yeah. Uh, no, and even she Vishen, was like, as
0: soon as Vision was cluing in on things, she's like, "Nope, rewind."
1: Yep, and and before he started to you know gain understanding, but yeah, with the Stork, she was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I can't control this." Um, so yeah, it's a weird it's a weird control thing, and um, I, I I agree with Lieutenant Danielson, and I I do think there's two different entities controlling because in the second episode when is it Dottie the blonde yep. Dottie, um. I noticed that when Vision in the magic show, when he wasn't supposed to be levitating and he was, everyone else was like, oh, and Dottie was looking at him like, you are not supposed to be doing that. Thanks control so? your husband. She had this look of disappointment and really, you're just going to bust that out right here. You're not going to stop it. Like like her face was, it wasn't the same reaction as everyone else. So if if one person's in control, shouldn't everyone be a puppet? and?
0: I don't know so deep it goes so deep we only got three episodes they don't have a lot of time left to to, to round this out
1: okay what's next this is from Jalen Pryor hey John by the way I'm iconic reactions okay anyway my girlfriend and I started watching Vikings again and god I love the Floki character I also by myself started watching Harley Quinn and King Shark must be protected. <laughs> and when Joker found out who Batman was, I died. LOL.
0: Have, have you watched the Harley Quinn animated show?
1: I have not. My sister does. Um, and again, with the quality time, I'm like, okay, let me do my few minutes. And my sister is just cracking uh the whole t- and i'm like girls is this, this good and so she's like girl sit down and so i've i watched bits and pieces i haven't watched the whole thing but w- of what i've watched i was like this is well written this is really it's,
0: good it's here's the thing i don't like marvel or dc animated stuff
1: yeah there are exceptions there, there's the odd I wonder if what thing. if will capture your heart what's that i wonder if what if
0: will capture your heart i doubt it I, yeah? yeah yeah i doubt it but it does look interesting to me it does yeah. look interesting but I, I'm not, there. there's the odd DC thing that I really like. There's the odd Marvel thing I really like, but generally speaking, and so I saw the, the trailers for this Harley Quinn thing and honestly, I thought it looked dumb. Really? And I thought it looked dumb. So then I had a bunch of our viewers write into me and say, uh, John, you should really watch this. It's really good. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then like two or three weeks passed, and my audience kept writing in saying, no, John, seriously, you really should watch it. So fine. So one night, Ann and I, we, uh, we were supposed to have a Dungeons and Dragons game with some friends, had to cancel that night. So we're like, okay, uh, what are we going to Well, do you want to check out this Harley Quinn thing? I know it looks dumb, but some people are saying it's pretty good. Fine. We were hooked in the first five minutes. And nice. it is ridiculously good. And here's the thing. I love when shows are like this. Uh, Doom Patrol is like this too, where it is the most bonker, okay, it's really intelligent stuff yeah. wrapped in this veneer of completely irreverent bonkers, like- chaos. Crazy chaos, right? Nice, nice. But it's actually unbelievable. And I will tell you what, probably the most romantic thing, the best romance, romance. in any TV show or movie I've seen in the last three years is Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. It really? is when the two of them finally hook up and maybe I just spoiled that for some people, but when the two of them finally hook up it's like the <laughs> world was like, "Yes." It's like it's like, like honestly, it's I remember somebody putting out the memes of of Harley Quinn and, and Poison Ivy together says still better than Twilight. So ah, it's still a better romance than Twilight. No, it's better than Twilight. But no. It it's is. so good and the Joker and it's so good and Batman really? is so funny in it and Bane Is like one of my favorite characters in the world, and Bane is utterly ridiculous in this thing, and it's just so good. And yeah, and and by the way, Vikings, I need to check it out. I got turned on to Vikings by uh one of my staff members, I can't remember which one it was back in the AMC Collider days, but who's who just I wasn't watching Vikings. And a friend of mine described to me like this they said, Imagine Sons of Anarchy with Vikings, and Sons of Anarchy is one of my top three favorite shows of all time. So I'm like, So I've heard okay, that sounds good, and then I went and checked it out. Yeah. Vikings is really good. All right. Nice. Thanks for that, Jalen.
1: What's next? This is from Caleb K. Didn't Feige confirm that Loki would be connected to Dr. Strange 2? So that means it could possibly be connected to WandaVision and Spider-Man
0: 3-2. Please Google, will Loki be in Dr. Strange 2? I have mm-hmm. never heard Kevin Feige say that. That does Just because I can't remember Kevin Feige ever saying that, that's, that doesn't mean he didn't say it. Maybe he did. But as of this moment, I, I have no recollection of, of Kevin Feige ever saying Loki will be connected to Doctor Strange 2. Because that would be part of every conversation. I mean, I, if you could look that up for us, Kimberly, but yeah. that would be a part of every conversation, right? The, the, just like every – Kevin Feige did say WandaVision, Spider-Man 3, Doctor Strange 2 are kind of part of one story arc. Well, that's, that information has been part of every conversation online. Like, whenever anybody talks about it now, that gets referenced. I would think that if Kevin Feige said that, it would be part of every conversation, but I don't remember hearing it. What are you coming across?
1: Uh, I'm coming across a comment saying that the Disney plus Loki s- series, Loki, will tie into the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Kevin Feige has revealed. Hmm. Both projects were announced this summer as part of MCU's ambitious phase
0: four. Okay, Huh? I I would have to hear Kevin Feige's direct quote. Again, just because I don't remember him saying that. Interesting. I'll have to go in and look that up later. Because listen, if Kevin Feige did say, and it's not somebody saying we have a source that says Kevin Feige, but if Kevin Feige did say that, then that totally does open the door that, I mean, this Quicksilver could be Loki. I mean, it could be Loki. But- That's, oh-
1: Remember that yesterday when I was thinking, I, I got on the track of the the scrolls, and then I was thinking about who can shapeshift. I can't believe. Oh yeah, with his illusion powers. I can't believe I didn't think about Loki.
0: Yeah, I mean, Maybe, maybe. Oh, but God, see, I, I, I dismissed the idea of Loki <laughs> so because there's no narrative connection. There's no narrative connection between Wanda and Loki and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, but with Marvel, there's not until there is. Well, there's, but uh, when you get this far into the show like yeah. and there's just it like loki popping up would just yeah. be so incredibly random, random. <laughs> but if kevin feige did say that loki was going to be a part of doctor strange 2 hmm. which we know is connected with wandavision then it does create albeit a very thin line it does create a line between the two so i don't know well maybe that's a possibility i still don't think so but you never know all right what's hmm. next
1: All right. Coming from Kirk Novak, given that it's eventually revealed that it was Dr. Doom who was controlling Wanda during Avengers Disassembled, what is the person behind the events of Westview? And the cameo is Dr.
0: Doom himself. Very little, but the possibility of that being Dr. Doom increased when Kevin Feige did announce that they were going to start soon. Uh, working on a Fantastic Four movie. Because, of course, Fantastic Four would come out five years after the Fox-Disney merger, and Kevin Feige said it's going to be five years. So it is possible they work that in. But again, uh, Kevin Feige was planning WandaVision before he ever knew that they were getting Fantastic Four and X-Men. So I, I don't know. I still think it's unlikely, but it is possible. It- it's definitely a possibility there. Um, so yeah, I, right now I would have to say, I would give Dr. Doom popping up again. Nobody watching the MCU has any awareness of this. All of a sudden Victor Von Doom showing up out of nowhere would seem incredibly random random. to this. So I'm going to say maybe 4%, 4% chance that happens. All right. What's next? This is
1: coming from Ed Gibson. Hi John, my prediction is Wanda utters the word no more multiverse. The walls between the multiverse start to crumble and all realities begin to bleed into our main MCU. Bring on the multiverse of
0: madness. Again, so far in this show, multiverse has never been mentioned once. It hasn't been a part of the the narrative of the show, it hasn't been part of the synopsis of the show. To say this all comes down to that, you would you would think that there would be larger connections and so far there hasn't been not to mention i think the whole dealing with the multiverse is what it's going to climax in with dr strange 2 that's where i think all that kind of stuff is going to happen so possibility yes it's connected to a movie called dr strange 2 in the multiverse of madness but because nothing of the sort has been remotely mentioned here in this show and we've only got three episodes left and the fact that I think that's what they're gonna deal with in Doctor Strange 2, I think it's unlikely they deal with it here. Not impossible, definitely not impossible, but unlikely. All right, what's next? Connor
1: says, pre-WandaVision episode six, and I haven't seen the leaks. I think Agnes is death. She went to the Hex to test Wanda to see if her reality warping powers gave her dominion over the dying. That's why she was surprised about her not bringing back Sparky.
0: Maybe? I don't think she was surprised about not bringing back Sparky. I think she was surprised hearing that there was even a possibility she could bring back Sparky. Remember, the kids were talking about that and then the reaction from Agnes was, you you can do that? Like, it, it wasn't a surprise that she right. wasn't bringing That's Sparky right. back. It seemed like a surprise like, that's something you can do. So not to mention, Agnes is there right from episode one of WandaVision, right? It's not like WandaVision had the hex up and was living the life inside of it. And then it caught the attention of death sometime later on. It's like, ooh, I should go see what that's about. Like Agnes was already there. But still, then how come we haven't seen Agnes's uh, bio up on the sword wall? I mean, there. listen, there's definitely something weird with Agnes. I don't think it's death. Now, you know what? I'm going to say with a lot of the other theorists, I'm like, hey, that could happen. I don't think it will, but if that could, I I don't think there's much of a chance that that's death. So that's kind of me. All right. What's next?
1: From Connor. I saw Earwig and the Witch in theaters. First Ghibli movie I've seen in theaters and it was straight ass. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it just ends when something starts happening. Literally just cuts to black. I own them all on Blu-ray, but I doubt I'll be getting this one.
0: Oh that's unfortunate. I mean obviously when you have a, a studio like Ghibli that is known for such iconic, you know, uh, all-time classic stuff. It's always unfortunate when you hear that. But hey man, at least you still got all the other stuff to enjoy and deal with. So thanks for sharing that. I'll 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 make sure I keep that in mind. I haven't heard much. Honestly, I haven't heard much. So but thanks for putting that on our radar, man. All right, what's next?
1: This is from Luke, I am your plumber. <laughs> nice. Hello John and Rob. So I finally got to see your cameo in The Hulk today and it was by complete accident. So I watched this channel for their breakdowns and Easter eggs and I happened across The Hulk one and then out of nowhere... You was one of the Easter eggs. It blew my mind. To me, it was like Evan Peters showing up in WandaVision. Haha. Ha. I won't say that the sh- what show it was because I'm not sure you like it or not. But if you do want to know so you can see it, I'll write back and say what show it was. Thanks.
0: Um, I, I am not familiar with... I mean, look, so I have... For years, I've had people sending me still frames saying... Was this your cameo in the Hulk? And by the way, I was not a cameo. A cameo is something that a famous person does. I was an extra. Okay, let's be clear. I was an extra in that movie, not a cameo. It's like, oh my God, it's John cameo. No, I was an extra, but I've had for a couple of years now, people writing to me saying, was this your appearance in Hulk? I actually appear a couple of times in it. Um... But sometimes the pictures people send me is the right one. Lately, people have been sending me the right one. I am not going to say which it is. I'm still going to leave it as a mystery. And I'm not sure which YouTube channel did that, but that's fine too. Um, anyway, no, that's not, but good for you for finding it if, if you did indeed. But if a, some YouTube channel is showing it as my appearance, then maybe it is. I don't know. But if you did find it, good for you for finding it. And thanks for caring. I appreciate that. All right, what's next? This is from war doctor 10.
1: Hi, John and Aaron. What's the most memorable experience you've ever had at Comic-Con? Mine would have been to be.
0: Comic-Con or event at a con or event.
1: At a con or event. Excuse me. Mine would have been to be Star Wars Celebration 2015 when JJ and KK brought everyone camped out pizza and being at Vengeance 2002 when Y2J became Undisputed Champ. Thanks.
0: Um, I was at that. uh, I was at that Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, that was cool, too. Um, My most memorable thing there. I mean, I've I've had so many great experiences at Comic-Con. Um, Obviously, one of them was the first time I got to be the host in Hall H, um, and it was for friends of mine. Milo Ventimiglia had a movie uh, coming out, and they asked me if I would be the moderator for Big Hall H. So the first time I did Hall H, uh, that was a huge, wonderful experience. Um, Getting to do my Masters of the Web panel was always great, particularly the one where we had Stan Lee and um, uh, Edgar Wright. Uh, was great and then we did our party that night and i got to present a uh, stan lee with this award that picture i have of me and stan lee still one of my favorite that i have and wow. edgar wright you know one of my favorite directors in the world that was great um a lot of our meet and greets are always fun whenever we would do meet and greets at comic-con always always fun that was always great um just a lot of a lot of really good experience i had some very strange experiences too um Dude offering me his girlfriend one time—that was interesting. Very strange experiences at Comic Con too. Who are you Woody Harrelson? What the heck? <laughs> what are you? we Where Woody actually Harrelson? you would be the other dude.
1: Um, you, yeah. Okay. So that I
0: mean that that was interesting. But I had a lot of strange experiences, but a lot of great experiences. Wow. And Star Wars Celebration was wonderful too. And like D twenty three, had some great ones, but. But uh, yeah, those are just some of the ones that come off the top of my head. Thanks for asking, man. All right, what's next?
1: This is from Connor. Aside from Star Wars, do you have a favorite sci-fi movie? Even though Star Wars is fantasy in a sci-fi setting, minus Terminator 2 and Star Trek First Contact. My first name is actually Jonathan, so I'm technically named John Connor. <laughs> I don't have an ego.
0: John Connor, savior of humanity. Humility, humility, keep that humble. <laughs> I favorite sci-fi movie, I mean, I get, it'll it depend a lot on a lot of people's definitions of sci-fi, but in the last, like, 15 years or so, and I know Joss Whedon has been in the news a lot the last couple of days for all the wrong reasons, but uh, his movie Serenity, which is kind of the sequel to the Firefly TV show, uh, that introduced me to one of my favorite actors in the world, Chiwetel for as the operative. I, I really think Serenity is that good. And I think it's that good even removed from Firefly. Like I know a lot of people like Firefly is like the greatest sci-fi show ever, but, and I, I really do like Firefly a lot, but even take Firefly out of it. Serenity is a fabulous, wonderful, character rich, charming and funny and exciting sci-fi movie. I, I really love, it. now if I sit down and think about it more, maybe I'll come up with some other answers, but that's the one I'm going to use for right now. All right. What's next?
1: This is from Luke1234. As we all remember leading up to The Force Awakens, coming out of the fandom was at throttle with merchandise purchase. But with EP8 and 9 falling short of expectations, how much of an impact can that have on the resale value of their toys? Should I keep mine?
0: I am really the wrong. I mean, Rob's really the guy to ask about toy value and stuff like that. Cause Rob has the biggest collection of like one six inch figures I've ever seen in my life. Um, so I don't know. I've never been one to collect and sell toys. Also, you know what? My brother-in-law Ray, who does the graphics for the show. Um, he is a master at buying toys, holding on to them for two or three years and then selling them on eBay for like a thousand dollars or something like he's like the master of that. That is a good one for ask him. Look for me, I never buy things other than stock with the intention of selling it later other than my house you're an adult s- okay and stock <laughs> we got it you're an adult <laughs> you know, well not really. not really because an adult would approach toys the way my brother-in-law does i'm gonna buy these as investments i'm gonna hold on to them wait till they become like he he kind of my brother-in-law ray just seems to have a sense of knowing when a new toy is coming out going that's going to be limited and it's going to be worth something someday that's a gift i would never know that. Know that. And then yeah. he just turns around and sells like he, like every week I'm talking. What are you doing? Oh, I got to go to the you know post office and ship this thing that I've been sitting on for five years and and whatever. But to me, like I buy if I buy a toy or a collectible, it's so I can put it on my shelf and look at it and be inspired by it I, or or maybe play with it a little. But yeah, so I never think about its long term value. So the only things I ever buy with the intention of selling sometime later is stock and a house. That's it nothing else. So I'm the wrong guy to ask, but I listen, if you like the toys and they inspire you when you look at them and all that kind of stuff, keep them. If they don't, sell them. So other than that, I'm the wrong guy to ask, unfortunately. It's a great question though, Luke. I really appreciate it. All right, what's next?
1: This comes from Ben Burnside. Hey, John, I ultimately understand why Gina was let go from Disney, but I'm torn. The violation of the handshake and the insensitive and teasing remarks towards specific social groups were enough for me to think she had to go. I think that you as a business can't tolerate that sort of antagonizing dialogue. As for the mask and election stuff, though, I feel that there is no way she should have been fired for that, and I don't even like how Disney approached
0: the talent agency after those um well i mean it doesn't matter it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that you like it or you don't it doesn't matter if i like it or i don't the fact of the matter is disney was like if you're part of one of our shows don't go around starting controversy don't don't let your name start to become associated with controversy because when you associate yourself with us and when we allow ourselves to be associated with you, any co- controversy you bring to your d- doorstep, you're squatting down and shitting on our doorstep. And it doesn't matter whether you think, oh, well, that issue wasn't a big deal. It doesn't matter that you think that. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what I think. It's irrelevant. Because it, you and I are not these brands that have to protect our brands. They are. And when you start getting involved in controversy and you work for them, see, this this is the thing. When you're, if you're an NBA star and, and you play for the Los Angeles Lakers, guess what? Any controversy you get involved in is a reflection on the Los Angeles Lakers. And then they have to deal with it. And if you become a big enough problem, they let you go. Because you become, this is the big term in sports, right? They became a distraction. You hear that all the time. That sports will cut a player loose, whatever. And it's not necessarily because because they weren't a good enough player. It's because, and the term they always use is, they became a distraction. It distracted from what we were and what we were doing and what we were trying to accomplish here. And that player became a distraction. And so when you understand that this out, all these things work, if you start doing crap that is bringing things to their door, And now they're being associated with these controversies because they're associated with you. That's not the way it should be. It's the way it is. It's not the way it should be, but it's the way it is. And yeah, for, for Disney, then reach out and say, Hey, (laughs) uh, listen, yeah, you're, you're people are asking us about your crap. Now we're getting people emailing us about your crap. We're having to deal with your shit. We didn't hire you so we could deal with your shit. We hired you and gave you this of uh, this position of privilege, of fame and money and opportunity. We gave you this so you could help make our show great. We didn't hire you so we could deal with your crap. And you're bringing crap to our door. Please stop. And then they did it again. Please stop. And then she did it again please stop. And then she did it again. And they said, enough, we can't, we we can't, we don't trust you. We can't deal with you. We don't want to deal with the stuff that you're bringing to our door. And it doesn't matter if you think it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't matter if I think it's not that big of a deal. I'm not the one who's responsibility. Everybody's an expert about what other people should do. I'm an, I'm as guilty as that as anybody. I do that too. You do that too. We're all experts on what other people should do. But at the end of the day, they gave her a chance they said if you want to work with us you got to do this this and this she didn't want to do it she wanted to do things her way fine we don't want to deal with that crap that's not what we want to be associated with so we're going to work with people who don't bring crap to our door the pedro pascal thing too as soon as pedro pascal started bringing crap and converse yeah. to their door they were like hey pedro cut out stop yeah so what did pedro do he stopped Anyway, there, there's that. So we can, we can talk about this till the things come home, but nothing ever changes. All right, anyway, I appreciate you writing that in and sharing your perspective on it, though, Ben. I do, I appreciate that. All right, what's next?
1: This is from Scott Brown. I'm behind on your show, so I just heard the question I asked about DC and CW and how Batwoman sucks. And I accidentally, <laughs> and I accidentally put booming instead of bombing. So thanks for not ragging on me too hard. I should really start <laughs> proofreading these things. Love the show.
0: Hey, listen, you know what? I was I was telling you about this yesterday, right? Yeah. I said, look, yes, sometimes <laughs> there's clearly not a lot of proofreading that goes into the messages people send in. But I'm convinced a lot of it is, like when you read some of them, I'm convinced a lot of it is that people are walking or in their cars and they voice dictate it. Yes. And you can clearly tell it was yes. their phones doing some kind of auto correct on something. It's like that, that, or it's what I call
1: passion texting. When you're so passionate, you got to get it out. How How, how could they
0: fire her? How could they fire her? Come on, man. That's totally not where I thought you, you were going when you send. said passion texting. That's, no. <laughs> I thought it was like... No. Kimberly doesn't go there. This is private
1: stuff. No, (laughs) no. After dark. No, no. (laughs) This, no. Like when you're passionate about something or you got a WandaVision, you know, theory and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get this out right now. Or, you know, and then instead of like stopping and just reading it and be like, okay, got that out. Did I spell everything right? Did I say it right? You're just like, you're passionate. So you're like, and send, this is how I feel. And then you're like, and that is,
0: spelled wrong and I said booming okay by the way I'm just telling you right now there's going to be a lot of comments in the comments section asking me to launch a new show on the network called Kimberly After Dark I'm just saying there's we're gonna get a lot and of those requests never gonna happen all right it guys not happen. what is next <laughs> what's our next one here
1: this is from Connor I'm here to pimp out two animated films the first is Mind Game It's the most trippy movie I've ever seen. The second is Bird Boy and The Forgotten Children. I really don't know how to describe either of
0: them. They're both just excellent and beautiful looking. I'm not familiar with Mind Game, but you are the second person to write in about Bird Boy and The Forgotten. I think it was a few weeks ago or something. Somebody else wrote in about that one. And that one caught my attention, if I'm if, if I'm remembering it correctly, that one caught my attention. So I'm gonna make note of that. See, here's by the way, this is the great thing about people writing in uh, these recommendations. Is you guys gotta remember, when you send in these recommendations, It's not just me reading your recommendation, you are actually recommending it to the thousands of other people watching it. And I often get emails and messages from people saying, hey, John, just want to let you know, I went and checked, let's use, you know, mind game for an example. I went and checked out mind game because somebody on your show the other day mentioned it. It's really good. So you are actually helping out a lot of your other film fans by writing in these recommendations. Anyway. Yeah. Mind game is one I am, I am not familiar with and I didn't see, but you're now the next, the second person to mention this bird boy in the forgotten. So I'll have to keep my eyes open for that. Thank you for that, Connor. Appreciate it. All right. What's next?
1: So Connor's going into a little bit more detail about what they're about. He said, um, I'll try to describe them, actually. Bird Boy is a Spanish movie about racism, drugs, problems from the previous generation, and escaping an island. It's very dark and violent, and all the characters are cute
0: animals, LOL. All right, good to know. Interesting. All right, let's keep going. This is from Ben Burnside. Oh, it looks like it's another continuation of his previous one. Oh. Yeah, okay, what does he have to say?
1: Two tweets. I like how Disney immediately called a meeting and fired her after the transgender and Jewish stuff. But as for the other two things, I feel that we should remember that Gina Carano is not a public official or a doctor. Let's go up and see what else is saying. She is just another American with an opinion on those matters. Disney shouldn't even make a warning about those two issues. I believe that Disney made the right call at the end of the day, but the first two incidences were poorly handled by them.
0: Nope, they weren't. See, here's the thing. Does she does everybody else have the right to talk about those issues that they want, even though they are controversial and hot button topics? Yes, but if you're going to work with us at Disney, no. Again, it, the, the perfect analogy is like that of the NHL. Everybody has a right. If you're watching a hockey game, and I know not many of my American friends do, but you should, it's the sport of the gods. But if you're watching a hockey game, um, everybody has the right to talk about whether they thought the officiating did a good job or not. That's blah, but guess what? If you're going to work for the NHL, you can't. I know everybody else can I know everybody else in the world should. Maybe you even feel that they NHL players should have the right to talk about the officiating if they want. That's fine. But you understand that if you work for the NHL, you can't do that. You can't do that. You have to give up. If you want this position of privilege, of fame and millions, there's a few things you got to give up temporarily. One of which is the right and the freedom to just jump online and, and start saying what you want about the officiating in the NHL. Listen, if you want to... Just go work another job whenever you go, you feel free to do that. But if you work in our NHL house and you want this position of privilege, then you have to be willing to set that aside for now. With Gina Carano and Disney, it's no different. Disney said, we don't want to be associated with that controversy. And if you want this position of privilege of fame and millions... Then you're going to have to give up a couple of things, which means while everybody else in the world can and should tweet and write about all those issues, as long as you're associated with us, you don't do that. You can have your own opinions, but you keep just don't get on social media platforms and start shouting them from the rooftops. Because then we get dragged into it and we don't hire you so we can be dragged into that crap. And if that is more important to you than working on our show, fine. You go do that, but don't you don't get to drag us into it with you. And we choose not to be associated with you if you do. So, no, I really do. I also think it was right that Disney didn't fire her over the first infraction. I also think it's appropriate that they didn't fire her after the second. They very well could have fired her after the third, but they still didn't. And it wasn't until the fourth that they did. But no, absolutely. If you're an employer, again, we said the other day, it doesn't matter if you have some stupid, ridiculous rule like no red shoes. If you know that's the company's policy and you choose to work with them, then you follow that rule of no red shoes, even though everybody else in the world can and you will, too, once you're not working for them. But if you accept that and you sign on for that, then deal with it. I feel no sympathy for you. All right. Anyway, what's next?
1: Connor says mind game is about a guy getting a second chance at life after being murdered. It's tonally all over the place. There are also so many art styles too, including including some live action. People bang in this movie and turn into colors. It's just nuts.
0: So by the way, characters having sex turns them into colors. Interesting, okay. I, that does sound like a bit of a mind trip. Again, this one is, is one I'm not familiar with, but I will keep my eyes open for it. Thanks for that, Connor. All right, what's next?
1: Max Julian says, Hey, John, I just wanted to say I don't want a WandaVision Season 2. This show is so good, it should just be a one-off. I feel Marvel can break new ground instead of linear seasons like WandaVision 2. Maybe the narrative of these events play out in another show.
0: And look, I I said this before that I don't think there's going to be a WandaVision Season 2. The whole novelty of living in the sitcoms is going to be worn out by the time it's great it's wonderful it's original and different but it's going to be worn out by the time we get to the end of the season it's it's going to be done also you know i don't think even wanda i don't think there's any coming back from this for wanda and i think this isn't going to end well for wanda once we get to the end of the season and also into dr strange 2 so it's pot but then again who knows maybe by the end of episode 9 There's gonna be an open door left that totally begs for another season. Maybe, we won't know until we see it. For now, I don't think there will be, and I don't think there should be a WandaVision season two, but ask me that question again after we see episode nine. All right, what's next?
1: From Derek Woodren, Hey John and Aaron, wait. Aaron is back. So it must be no pants Friday. Any (laughs) projects we should be looking out for with you and
0: them. Okay. So obviously this question was sent in on Friday. So yeah, Aaron Cummings is back, which is great. We're, we're so thrilled to have her back as a matter of fact. And the project you should look out for, uh, her next one that I think you're going to be able to see is the Will Smith movie King Richard, uh, where, where Will Smith plays uh, Richard who is the dad of Venus and Serena Williams. And, uh, she plays, I think uh, Aaron's character is like a, a social worker character that has a, some head button with, uh, with Will Smith, some some tension with Will Smith. But anyway, that's the next thing to look forward to with that. Now, for those of you who are wondering why Derek is saying No Pants Friday. So of course, on Thursdays on the show, we used to have me, Aaron and the wonderful uh, Chris Carr. So me, uh, Chris, she's wonderful. I love Chris. And Aaron would be in, and that was our Thursday tradition. The three of us would do the show together. And I can't remember if it was Chris, if it was her, or if it was Aaron that coined the phrase. We were just talking about, and one of them coined the phrase, you know what, this is just no pants Thursdays, anything goes, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And it just kind of became as no pants Thursdays. And, uh, and then of course, this week, when Aaron came back, it wasn't on a Thursday, it was a Friday. So I guess. Whenever, listen, it's no pants, whatever, whenever Aaron's here. Whenever Aaron's here, and I don't know what kind of tomfoolery we'll get into whenever Chris is able to, to come back around as well, but uh, that is what Derek is referring to. Okay, but yes, do keep your eyes out for Aaron Cummings in King Richard with, uh, with Will Smith. All right, what's next?
1: Awesome. Teddy Wren says, as a singer slash comedian, I have multiple pun names such as Drop Dead Ted, <laughs> Edward Scissorhands, Tedrick the Entertainer, and Rindiana Jones. I'm in need of another. Help, John. If Rob is there, he gets a second chance at it.
0: Uh, Rempel, uh, Ren, Renkel, I was going to say Remple Stilskin uh, is one you can kind of go, that, that's the one I'm going to go with. Yeah. Yes. Rumble Finskin. Yes. I I, by the way, what do you got one for him? Ren Swanson. Re- oh, of course you got to be a little bit of a Parks and Rec. You, you. Guy for yeah, that. you have to be hard. I love work for that. Parks and Rec yeah. for that. This reminds me. I don't. I don't remember what it was. Um, but my wife Ann and I were sitting around, and something came up. It's like we were walk looking at a dude on TV. And it's like that. Ann's like that dude looks like a seventies porn star. It's like yeah, he looks like uh, Rumpel Foreskin or something like that. And. Ann, And just kind of lost it at that point. But a lot of great ones there for that, Ted. All right. What is next? (laughs)
1: Chloe Fanning says, let's pretend here for a moment. Let's say that you sold your soul to Lucifer to be a famous person. Who would it be? But here's the thing. You don't wake up in their life. (laughs) You wake up reliving your life being that person. For now, when you wake up, you wake up with no memories and the person that you sold your soul to, to be doesn't exist in this world. For you are now them, but in your life Hmm. with only in your dreams that you see the person that you once was in life, a life of what you make of it
0: as them. Chloe, I'm going to tell you this. Thank you so much for taking time to write that out and for sending it in and supporting our channel. I have no idea what the holy hell you're talking about. <laughs> I have no idea. Is it just me? Is it just me? Like I, 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 I feel you, Chloe. No, but it's girl. not me. If, if it's them, you. it's not me. The idea is me living a certain life. Why would I just want to live my own life over again? Well, my life is pretty great. I'm, I'm very happy with my life, but I mean, I-, I, I Oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> In my like, head, I was like,
1: "So you're saying I would wake up being Mariah Carey, and
0: but not having Mariah Carey's life, not having her life, but if I had her voice, would I have her voice? Like if I could just have somebody's talent, why didn't if to I say, could just have her talent, have somebody's talent,
1: if I could just like get some of this going, I, one I would
0: never shut up. I like up. How your physical manifestation of music, Mariah
1: Carey. Yes. Only for Mariah, <laughs> though. Only for Mariah." Only for Mariah. Um... But she, you know, that would be cool. You wake up in South OC and hang out at the beach all the time and have three sisters. I would sing over my sisters all the time. How about that? There you go. Every time they annoyed me, I just hit that note. Um, But my life would still be. I would want to wake up as Superman.
0: There, I'll leave nice. it at that Wake <laughs> Up Superman, even in my own life. That would be great. I got you, Chloe. All right. right. Really. With that and honestly, Chloe, thanks for taking the time to write that in. All right, what's next? South American Vandal
1: says, Hi, John and Co. I want to recommend the overlooked Netflix show American Vandal, a mockumentary that has two seasons. It stars Griffin Gluck, whose popularity is rising. Do you watch this show? If if so, your thoughts. If not, I hope you do and your viewers consider watching.
0: We did talk. We we talked a bit about American Vandal when season one was on. American Vandal was pretty good. It was pretty funny. Of course, a uh, kind of a a, a a faux documentary based on the popularity of like documentaries. Like, what's the one? What's the big super popular podcast? documentary now? No, the the podcast about uh, the kid, the um the Muslim kid who was convicted of murder of his Asian girlfriend. And it became like the most popular podcast in the world. And I I can't remember the name of it. If Ann was here, she would remember. But it was kind of a take on those things. And it was really funny. Now, I didn't watch the second season. I heard the second season wasn't nearly as good, but the first one is really good. And I remember we did talk about it on our show. Uh, but American, did you ever see American Vandal? The, the, I did not. It's I did not. It's pretty funny. It's yeah? It's pretty well done. And it takes itself so seriously, which adds to the gloriousness of it. But yes, American Vandal is definitely one people should check out. I
1: need to put that on my
0: app. Yes, put that Was one it? on your list. You should check at least season one. All right. Okay. What is next?
1: Suthia says, hey, guys, I don't think the Infinity Stones will ever go away. They have been part of the MCU upon thousands and millions of years, whether in their natural form or in the stone form or even in their essence. I think they will continue to be prevalent.
0: I mean, they very may well, very they may do that. I think it's a bad idea to do that, though. I mean, we have dealt with, and that's why all the stuff, even with the Mind Stone in WandaVision, it's like... The, the Infinity Stones have been, when you go all the way back to the first Avengers movie, even you know before that, Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, the Infinity Stones have been at the center and at the heart of every MCU movie, practically, practically, for over 11 years, 20 plus films. At some point, you got to move on to something else. At some point, you've beaten it to death. And I and Endgame, especially after Endgame, and the way Endgame ends, when you go through Infinity War and Endgame, it's now time to move on from that. So I, I don't know. Listen, in Kevin Feige, I trust. We'll see what he's going to do, uh, but but you know, I mean, you might be right. They may do that. I just kind of hope they don't. I really hope they have more creativity than that. I mean, you just you've beat them to death for eleven years, twenty plus films. Let's move on. But we'll see again. I trust Kevin Feige, so we'll see what they do. All right, what is next? Ben Burnside says,
1: "Hey John, I wanted to share with you that I finished the audiobook version of *Heir to the Empire*. Nice. I thought the book was very good—a four out of five for me. The best part of the book was Thrawn. I loved how logical he sounded and how he broke down in terms of him being a tactician. I also enjoyed how ruthless he was—from killing his own trooper for failing to capture Luke, failing to capture Luke, excuse me, to destroy a planet because he didn't understand the cold." Culture. He is better depicted here than in Rebels. Now, there are some things I don't like, such as Mara Jade's the Mara Jade storyline, or the Wookiee character that could talk like a human, or the is is mm,
0: yeah is I know. that's different, the that's different. <laughs> Mari
1: lizards. But I still like the story nonetheless. Do you think that we could see characters from this story, such as Jedi? Draw
0: Jaroth Sabath.
1: Thank you. Mara Jade, Talon Carde, Rook.
0: Rook, yeah. Rook.
1: Again, Imperial, Captain Felion, the Ismari Lizards, etc., in cinematic Star Wars.
0: I never liked I mean, listen, the lizards were an interesting part because look, as as cool, calculated, and everything as intelligent as Grand Admiral Thrawn is, he can't take out a Jedi. And so what do they do? They created this plot device that gave him these lizards that, so the 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 Yeltsamari are like, and I've never known how to pronounce them properly, are like these lizards, but by nature, they cancel out the force. So like if a Jedi came after him, they wouldn't be able to use the force because he's constantly has these lizards around him, right? And usually has one like hanging around his neck. So, you know, he can't have his emotions read. He can't be affected by the force, all this kind of stuff. Um, Mara Jade has become a very popular Expanded Universe character And everybody is waiting for Mara Jade Now What the main reason We may never see Mara Jade Is because I think Most fans of the Expanded Universe That want Mara Jade They only want Mara Jade If she fulfills the role she played in it Which is becoming the love interest Of Luke Skywalker And they can't do that. So if they bring Mara Jade in now, it'll be totally separate from Luke Skywalker. And I think that would just piss off a lot of the fans of the EU. So I'm not sure. Look, we already saw them bring in Admiral, um, uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. So of course the door's open if they want to bring in others. But they're just going to have to figure out how they do it. Mara Jade is tricky because again, if you bring her in, you're going to bring her in in a different way and you're not going to have her as a Luke Skywalker love interest and that's going to piss people off. So... I don't know. We will We will have to wait and see, but the door is definitely open, Ben. The door is definitely open. All right, what's next?
1: Greg Scott Bailey says, continue to appreciate Kevin Feige. We all get nerdy, and but we're into the things we're into. But a lot of us at times let our nerddom overcome our level-headed approach to our idea of entertainment. Feige is a fan with a corporate level mindset.
0: All right, thanks, Greg. And yeah, look, that is the key thing, I believe, to... to the unbelievable success of kevin feige like a lot of us think of kevin feige the big success that he's one of us I mean, and that's true to a degree but that's only half the truth he is one of us in spirit but also he's one of us in his heart but he's also the studio executive in his head he's got the head of a studio executive heart of a geek fanboy And it's that's why he's better at this than any of us would be, because if he was just one of us, then any of us could do the job of Kevin Feige. But he's not just one of us. He's that mixture, the head of the business part, the heart of the fan, and he understands how to balance all that out tonally he knows not to go too wild but wild enough that it's like oh my god can you believe they actually did that but not get too like it's just it is that very 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 rare mixture that uh, and i think that's really a key thing greg into what makes him so great at at what he does so that's a really good observation all right what's next this is
1: from marco padilla hi john holy crap first time tipper thank you marco appreciate that it's 2014 just finished watching Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I couldn't wait to talk about it, but none of my friends had seen it. Searching YouTube, I found AMC Movie Talk. Forever changed my life. Thank you, John.
0: oh <laughs> uh, thank you, Marco. And by the way, you, you tipped in like 20 bucks. Thank you for support and thank you. I mean, you've been around watching my stuff then for a while, right? You've been around watching my stuff for a while. So thank you so much for being around and doing that. It's like, yeah, I mean, listen, the whole, my whole idea about, When I started for your, well, first of all, when I started uh, the movie blog audio edition, which was, you know, the the very first movie related podcast in the world uh, back into my movie blog days, my idea was I wanted to kind of be sports talk, but for film fans, because when me and my friends talked about movies, we talked about them kind of like as as sports fans, right? And so when I came into AMC and I started for your consideration first, and we turned that into AMC movie talk. My whole idea was this is going to be sports center for movie fans the things that we love to talk about and speculate on and break down and analyze. That's what I want this to be. And it was really kind of cool. Like when some of the major trades even started referring to our show as the sports center for movie, for, for movie fans. I'm like, that's exactly what we were going for. Um, So anyway, I'm glad you found us. I'm glad you're part of the journey with us. It has been great. So thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. And it's good to have you here, Marco. Thanks for hanging around for that many years, man. All right. What's next?
1: This is from Koa1708. It's Marvel concerned with audiences not following the stories of upcoming movies because they didn't watch the Disney Plus shows. Casuals won't follow every show, right?
0: Here's part of the genius of Kevin Feige. He understands that you cannot make, he can't make the mistake that the comic book started to make in the late 80s. Where in order to read this, you also have to have read these 10, 15, 20 other things. I had several different friends, as we were getting into Infinity War and Endgame, who had not really been following the MCU and like, am I gonna be able to understand what's going on? And guess what? They did. The brilliance of Kevin Feige is that if you, you can jump in almost anywhere in the MCU and you won't feel like you're completely missing everything. Maybe there are things you're missing, but as a first time viewer, you won't feel like you're missing stuff. Kevin Feige makes sure that every one of his movies, he keeps this in mind. This could be the first MCU thing that somebody watches. Are they going to feel confused and lost and want to jump out of the MCU? Or are they going to feel like, yeah, I can follow along with what's going on and that would get them more interested and in to know more of the backstory. So uh, I would say Kevin Feige is going to do this in such a way that if somebody, nothing is going to be a prerequisite. That's how you start to lose viewers. And that is something that Feige has done brilliantly for 22, 23, 24 plus films, whatever number they're at now. And I believe he will continue to do that. Good observation, Koa. All right, what's next?
1: This is from Dark Knight Rises. Hi, John. This might be a generational thing, but I hate, hate, hate scenes in TV shows, Marvel or DC shows, where they have all the team standing there and everyone has to say something. Ugh, did the writer graduate from middle school?
0: Your thoughts? Well, okay. So here's the thing, Dark Knight Rises. I, I don't want to drop anything to massive generalities. I don't want to say, no, that never bothers me or say, yes, that always bothers me. It's like anything else. Does it fit the scene? Is there a scene where, yeah, every one of them should have something to say? If so, then it doesn't bother me. Is it a scene that's like, well, that was kind of forced in there just to give that character some lines, then that bothers me. But I don't think there's one hard and fast general rule. It's like, if they do that, it's automatically good or it's automatically bad. It's like anything else. It's like, you know, we we talk about this when it comes to um, explicit stuff in movies, language, nudity, sex, violence, whatever. It's not that language, nudity, sex, violence is inherently good. It's not that it's inherently bad to me is, does it feel forced? Does it feel gratuitous? Does it feel like this didn't do anything to heighten the sense of what's supposed to be happening in this movie? Because listen, there are movies where a passionate, hot sex scene feeds exactly into the atmosphere the filmmaker's trying to do and it's appropriate and it works. Then there are times in movies and things like that where they just throw in a titty shot because that'll make everybody smile. And it's like, Okay, it didn't fit. It didn't do anything for the movie. It didn't do anything for the story. And I generally don't like gratuitous things. I love the filthy. Bring on the filthy. But it's got to work like anything else in the context of the movie, the scene. What is it the the filmmakers trying to get us to, to feel and sense in that moment? And if that means lots of new, if that's eyes wide shut, awesome. Go for it. But if it's not, then don't just put it in there for the sake of it. And I, so I feel that kind of translates well to this as well. If you got a scene where everybody in these heroes should be talking and saying something, great. But if not, then let the scene dictate what happens and then move from there. That's kind of what I feel about that. All right, what's next?
1: From *Dark Knight Rises*, February fifteenth is Jane Seymour's birthday. No, happy s- birthday, Miss Seymour! Seventieth? No Dr. way! Doctor Quinn to the rescue. I think she's so elegant, terrifically talented, and still absolutely gorgeous. She just comes across as a neat ambassador for the business. Wanted to wish her a happy birthday.
0: You know there there are women like Jane Seymour, and I I like I was a kid when. Harley Quinn. I almost said Harley Quinn Medicine Woman. That's a totally different show. I gotta see this that's series. T- Where can I catch? T- that? Totally different show. Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman. As a kid, and she, you're right. Even she, remember she started hawking that that jewelry. She goes, "Have buy this heart." Okay. It was it was jewelers. McC- yeah, the heart of, that's like the heart inside the heart, right? Yeah. It's like Mother's Day. Again. I remember that Sign she on. has her and Helen Mirren have this enduring beauty. regal. Yes, Mm -hmm. there's a regalness to Mm -hmm. to their absolutely enduring beauty. Mm -hmm. And I can't believe she's turning 70. Unbelievable. Anyway, well said, Dark Knight Rises. All right, what's next?
1: This is from M. Spock. Sorry, I'm going to say that again. M. Spock. Good enough. (laughs) Because it feels good. Hi, John. A few things. Congrats on the new house. Thank you. Did anyone... (laughs) (laughs) Did anyone ever tell you you resemble Eugene Levy? I have not. regardless, A and B stands for Ambassador Spock. Uh, so glad you're saying it. But I just shortened it, but that's okay. You're a lot of fun to watch, especially when you start to mock people, <laughs> especially when you start to mock people in that voice of yours. It always cracks me up and puts a smile on my face. It actually cheers me up. Thank you for all that you do. I appreciate your Canadian humor and one of the things I love about you.
0: Well, thank you so much. Well, normally what I'm doing is mocking ourselves, like those of us in the fan community, right? And sometimes even just myself straight up when I do that voice. But um, no, I've never gotten Eugene Levy. I've, the two people I get the most are actually Wayne Gretzky. I get Wayne Gretzky a lot. And I get- um, Oh, wow, especially uh, with the long hair.
1: Yeah, Maybe. well, yeah. Back yeah, when, yeah. I, when I
0: had kind of longer hair, when he had his like kind of uh, shaggy mop, right on. and Liam Neeson, I get a little, bit, I get a younger Liam Neeson sometimes. So those are the ones that I get. But you know, it's funny. I remember watching. I've always thought Eugene Levy's such a funny looking guy, and he went to school in my hometown of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Oh my god! But uh, I remember when we were watching Schitt's Creek, which is so. Do you watch Schitt's Creek? Yes. Isn't it the best? Here's the thing: I don't watch it. I laugh through it. Yeah, I, I
1: you can't just watch. Oh my gosh, it's, I laughed through the whole thing. I absolutely
0: love that show. It's yeah. just unbelievable. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's so good. But anyway, you guys have heard me going off on on, on that show for a while. Love it. But yeah, I remember watching Schitt's Creek, and you know Eugene's always wearing the sharp suits and everything. And I remember Anna and I were watching, like you know, I have never thought this before, but like in this show, at the, like Eugene's now is in his seventies, and it's like. Really? He's a handsome dude. Why like, I never thought that before. He's Actually, that. I'm not 100% about that. Hey Google, how old is Eugene Levy? Eugene Levy is 74 years old. Yeah, he's 74. How great does he look? Like how great? Th- I'm oh, not going to look that good at what? 54. There's no way I'm going to even look remotely that good at 54. He's 74? He's 74. Wow. And he gets he gets better. He's like a Helen Mirren. He looks better with age fine he's in the fine
1: wine club yes there's he's a in club the fine wine, there's by a the club way, and he's
0: in it if you haven't started watching Shits creek oh my god you must it's absolutely one it, I, it may be in my top five favorite shows not just comedies of all time i mean it's just so good okay anyway i went off enough about that thank you for that uh, ambassador spock i appreciate that very much all right what's next
1: Drew Russell writes, Hi, John. I have now watched WandaVision episode five, Sparky Death Scene five times in a row. And I legit think that Wanda wasn't saying she can't bring back the dead, but rather it's irresponsible and she won't. Because in the same line, she draws comparison to the kids aging. She tells the kids there are rules in life and you can't just age yourself because it's convenient and we can't reverse death no matter how sad it makes us. Then the kids ask again, bringing back up before Wanda can respond to envision walks up.
0: I see. I'm still torn on that scene. I'm still torn that scene because I didn't take it as Wanda definitively laying down. I can just simply bring back people from the dead because listen, Wanda's ethical lines right now are real blurry. Like she's holding a city hostage. She is. She just had you know armed soldiers point their weapons and threaten the lives of government agents. Yep. She's. I mean, so I don't know that she's in a position to be the moral authority of the day of what's going on. Hello. So I'm not really sure that that happens because I mean, again, she's on the battlefield. She just could have brought back Tony Stark after he snapped his fingers and and died at the end of Endgame. She could have just brought him back if she wanted to, right? So I'm not sure what they were saying there was that she definitively has the power to bring back people from the dead. Maybe the implication is that in this world I can make things happen but mm-hmm. I can't just do I can't do that because then you're not going to learn your lesson about that these are hard lessons that she's learned in her life and if I can let you learn the lessons on a dog rather than on your parents or your brother or your lover or something like yeah, that yeah. that's best but again it could be that i'm not saying it can't i'm just saying as i watched it as an audience member i didn't take that as them definitively saying wanda has the power to bring people back from the dead carte blanche i didn't i didn't interpret it that way but let's keep our eyes on it maybe there was some deeper meaning to it as we move forward all right what's next
1: Bob Nunn says, hi, John. We know that by Spidey 3, Cap is dead. WandaVision also compared the power levels between Captain Marvel and Wanda. Do you think old man Cap will show up but is killed by by accident by Wanda, which brings him back in Captain Marvel for a huge battle? Keep up the good work. Here's the thing. I'm not so
0: sure. Hmm. I I don't know that Cap is dead. I think the world believes Cap is dead cuz remember for all these years Cap has kept his old man Cap has kept his presence in the world secret nobody knew um and so I don't think that's the case like he planned to he knew where Sam and Bucky would be at that day and at that hour and he went there and revealed himself to them because mm-hmm. remember like even um Kevin Feige confirmed that old man Captain Rogers was at Peggy Carter's funeral. We never saw him, but Kevin Feige said he was there. He was there at Peggy's funeral. So he has kept himself secret. So I think the world thinks he's dead. Whether old man Cap is dead by the time Spider-Man 3 happens or not, Kind of rough. So, no, I don't, I don't think Cap is going to show up, although I think it would be great if he did, even old man Cap. I think that would be great if he did, but no, I don't, I don't think that's what they're going to do. But it would be something, Bob. It would totally be something if they did. All right. What's next?
1: Mike Johnson says, I can't understand why Disney gets rewarded with 95 million subscribers after they continue to spit in the face of the fans by delaying their films. And HBO Max has gotten their name slaughtered by the media for allowing fans to
0: see their slate currently shame. Uh, Listen, I'm going to tell you, Mike, I think that's a ridiculous point of view. I think that's a ridiculous point of view that that Disney is spitting in the face of the fans. I think that's nonsense. Mm -hmm. Disney, Warner Brothers, Paramount, Lionsgate, Universal, you name it. They have faced a situation that there has never been in the history of Hollywood a global pandemic on this scale that has shut down the theater system and all this kind of stuff. It is not spitting in the face of the fans. That's, listen, Disney has put, invested hundreds of millions of dollars into these projects. Paramount doesn't exist to put millions, hundreds of millions of dollars into a project to then just give it away for free. That's how you go out of business. That's how you don't have the money to make the next film. That's how you lose. That's how you lose. They made these movies so that they could be put in theaters so that the audience can enjoy them the way it should be enjoyed and they can make their money on it so they continue to finance and make other movies. It's it's not, and so in the face of a global pandemic, uh, them choosing to say, hey, we got to hold on to these things because we're going to lose our shirts if we just throw them up on Disney Plus. We're going to lose our shirts. The plan was to make money with these things in theaters and then, you know, recoup all of our costs, recoup all of our expenses, and then put it on. And then put it on Disney Plus later on. Them not putting it out now, them trying to figure out how to navigate a global catastrophe in a pandemic and deciding that hey, these things are meant for theaters. That's vital to our plan. So we need to wait until the theaters are open is in no way, shape or form, a spit in the face to the audience. That's a ridiculous position. It's an absolutely ridiculous position. Now, I appreciate If, like me, you're getting impatient, (laughs) I am getting impatient, I want to see No Time to Die. I want to see, you know, Eternals. I want to see, you know, a lot of these things. Like, yeah, I get that. But to say that them not doing it the way you want it done means they're spitting in your face is nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Um, And if you think for a second that HBO has taken their approach because we just need to do it for the fans. No, HBO is doing it is because they're desperate to get subscribers to HBO Max. They're just desperate for it. It has nothing to do with the fans. It has nothing to do with you. It's just them making what they feel is the best business decision for them. They went about it the wrong way. They backstabbed their, their creators, their artists, their business partners, their financers. They stabbed them all in the back. So they went about it the wrong way. But believe me when I tell you that the motivation behind HBO Max doing it was what they felt was a good business. They may be wrong. They may be dead wrong. But they felt this was the right business decision for them. And that's why they made that choice. Had nothing to do with the fans. Disney is doing things based on what they feel is the best business decision right now for them and the survival of their brand and for the profitability of their projects. These things they put millions of dollars in. It's the exact same between HBO and Disney. So to, say, to look at this unprecedented situation that there is no playbook for, that nobody has ever been through to sort of lay out as an example of the best way to manage the situation. And to say that their choice of going, you know, we made these things to be theatrically experienced. We're going to hold on until we can get them that theatrical experience as somehow being a spit in the face of the fans is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I look, I don't mean, I mean, no disrespect on you, but I mean, that is, you are clearly a much more intelligent person than to believe that. So it's a ridiculous point of view. All right. Anyway, uh, what is next? Okay. So Mike Johnson
1: was still going on that this was never about the theatrical experience. This was about Disney being greedy and wanted pre COVID $1 billion revenues and willing to hold off films to the fans that made their brand successful. It's disgusting. The way Warner brothers has been treated.
0: No, it's disgusting the way Warner brothers treated all the people that they had agreements with. You know, when you work with a company like legendary that puts up 75% of the money to make your movies, and then you and they did it because they they believed the understanding was and the agreement was these are going to get theatrical releases so we can make money on it and then you can take it and go put it on HBO Max and then you double cross them you give them no heads up you don't uh, you don't even give them a phone call you just make a public announcement that you're skipping theaters well now Warner Brothers is getting punished because they got to pay huge amounts of money to legendary, legendary plus they're having to go back and make other back end deals it's no warner brothers got treated the way they did not because of business decisions but because they double crossed their creators they double crossed their directors they went behind the backs of their financiers. they just handled it wrong now look at the end of the day if warner brothers had talked to all these players involved gave them a heads up months in advance, let them know, this is what we're looking at doing. This is how we're going to do it. We will compensate you for this. Cause we know we're going to be taking money out of your pockets. If we do this, mm. we're going to compensate you here. We're going to do this. We're going to make commitments to add more films to a deal, whatever. And then after discussing that with all the people involved, then came out and made an announcement. We're making this move. Fine. I still don't think it's a smart move for them, but they feel it's a smart move. No problem. The problem everybody had was the fact that they double-crossed, backstabbed, and lied to their directors, their creators, their financers, their production partners. That's why they got everybody pissed off at them. And mm-hmm. listen, here's the thing. Disney is a business. Warner Brothers is a business. Uh, Paramount is a business. The absurdity of saying they're just doing that because they're greedy. Let me ask you this: If your boss comes to you tomorrow and says, "I want you to work for the next week for free," and if you won't work for free, you're just being greedy. You're only coming to jo- you're only coming into work for the paycheck. It's a good analogy. You're just coming to work for the money. You're just being greedy. No, that's your job. That's your jo- that is your business. You doing your job, whether you run a a successful plumbing industry or whether you are a designer or whether you're an accountant or whether you work on on a, a big important assembly line or whether you're a cook or a chef, whatever it is, your job is your business. You do it to make money. Disney, Ford Motor Company, McDonald's, you name it, they do business to make money. And so them doing their business to make money is not them being greedy any more than you going to your job to earn your money is you being greedy. They're doing what they feel they need to do. So, again, I think the position is just ridiculous, but that's just me. All right, what's next? Coming from Corey J. Harper,
1: I stayed up for WandaVision and it's 3 a.m. Just wanted to say that it's kick-ass. By
0: the way, how good was that kick-ass reference? Did did you catch it when they did that, of course? I totally did. And they so emphasized, (laughs) kick-ass. Yeah. I mean, I was sitting with Anne and Aaron and Tom when that line happened and all of us just spontaneously just started laughing it was yeah so good that was so funny and for those of you who don't know aaron taylor johnson the quicksilver of the avengers universe evan peters who's playing quicksilver right now both of them of course appeared in the movie kick ass so there's a little double connection there all right i love
1: how they do that i just i marvel makes us feel so warm like they just yeah they Wrapping blankets of love around us. Okay. I agree. All right. Next? <laughs> Kung Fu Hot Dog says Good Friday to you, John and Rob. Before live streaming, how do you perfect the audio on your shows? Was it through Audacity or presets in Premiere Pro or Final Cut? Your audio sounds amazing. Also, how great was Paul Bettany and WandaVision episode six? Almost
0: Shakespearean. Well, listen, Paul Bettany has been fabulous right from episode one. Like The performances that him and Elizabeth Olsen are giving are what is making this show really work its foundation. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I put a lot of effort into my audio. I put a lot of effort in my audio and it hasn't always been great, but I've learned. Like right now, my audio process is I run, I get some very, very good mics. These are Rode Procaster mics. I like these mics very I've used them ever since we built the AMC studio. The mics I bought when we built the AMC studio um, is these mics, the Pro Procaster mics. So when I went on my own, I bought some for myself. They are going into a really good interface in the uh, Rode, um, the Rodecaster Pro which is a sound mixer and interface with the thing. It's got some wonderful uh, presets that I can set up, a good compressor, like good EQ levels, all that kind of stuff. And then I'm just very aware that I make sure when we're doing our audio, hopefully we never peak. We never wear that part where it gets so loud that the voice, the audio starts to crackle. And then when it's live, that's just live. But when we record, like we're recording this show, even when that's done, I still take it into Adobe Audition, which is their audio program. Uh, audacity is very, very good too. That's a free program. If you're on a Mac, there's garage band. It's not as capable, but, um, when we record, even though the audio is already pretty good, I still take it into audition and I, I just sweeten up the audio a little bit. I just tinker with the audio a little bit because yeah, audio is very, very important. And I put a lot of attention and work into that. And I'm always trying to improve it. Because the better the audio, the better experience for my viewers watching. And I'm always trying to improve the experience for the viewers. So thank you so much for that Kung Fu Hot Dog for, for recognizing that I do put a lot of effort into the audio quality. I appreciate that very much, man. All right. What's next? Decimore says, I watched Spider-Man Far From Home,
1: waiting for episode six to drop. I was amused at the teacher Julius repeating, I'm a man of science, but witches? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Maybe not so much of a joke. Monica is definitely getting or has her powers now. Did Wanda bug the drone before before giving it back?
0: Uh, I don't there. That's an interesting thought. Does she bug the drone? I doubt it. I don't think she just has those devices laying around. So I'm going to guess no. Um, I also don't think there was any foreshadowing in Spider-Man Far From Home about what was going to be happening that. But by the way, I just love that character in Far From Home. He said a lot of the funniest things. Lo- yeah, yeah. He was really, really good in that. You know what? Listen, I don't love Far From Home. Uh, but I did quite like it. I didn't yeah. think it was as good. I didn't think it was as good as Homecoming. Like Homecoming, there was just a, a different level of charm to me yeah. in Homecoming. Yeah. And there was something about, and I'll say, I think Michael Keaton's Vulture was a better villain than uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. And I love Jake Gyllenhaal, don't yeah. get me wrong. but And I like Far From Home very much. But no, I don't, I don't. I don't know. Do you think there was? I don't think there was any foreshadowing there. I think that was just. I the think joke. just
1: technically, I liked what they did, like with the nightmare scene. I call them nightmare right. scene. Wasn't, he
0: wasn't sleep,
1: but the just with the scene. with the zombie and the illusions and and just you felt that frustration. Just visually, it was it was more enhanced than than the first one. Um, the first one I felt like was just so charming it was such a date movie it was such a you know um and the second one was just laugh after laugh after laugh so the laughter was there but technically they they raised the bar so i just felt like it was it was like a it was like a it was just a, a different feel You know, it was a different feel, different feel. All right. What's next? The Wakandan Forever says, The Mandalorian is the first show I started watching regularly. Baby Yoda has me (laughs) walking the streets to make money for his figures. (laughs) 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 It took WandaVision to have a show. I like watching as much as seeing an actual film. film. I now know the meaning of must-see TV.
0: What is crazy? I've said this a few times. I don't think WandaVision is the greatest show in the world the last few years, but there is something about it in its DNA that I that it makes you think about it all the time and makes us want to talk about it. We are engaged in all these theories. You know, somebody wrote to me the other day on my social media, On somebody wrote to me on Twitter mm-hmm. and said, you know, I, I don't get it. Why is everybody pretending like WandaVision is some big water cooler show like Game of Thrones or Mandalorian is, it's not. And I wrote back to them and I said, you're right, it's not, it's more. It is. Now I'm not saying WandaVision is as good as Game of Thrones. I'm not saying WandaVision is necessarily as good as Mandalorian. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm not saying it is. But I said, to pretend it's not an ultimate water cooler kind of show, Mm -hmm. I said, listen, I'm getting more. When you look at my videos, and the amount of, of comments and interaction. When you look at the interaction and the engagement, that's, what the, that's the word they use in the big social media, the engagement. <laughs> I am getting more than triple the amount of engagement on the videos we do about WandaVision than we did with Ga- our Game of Thrones. Ann and I would do a Game of Thrones post show and I'm getting more than double wow. the engagement than we did on our Mandalorian post show. Wow. Again, I'm not saying that means that this is better than Mandalorian or better than yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. But to say it's not a water cooler kind of touchstone kind of show. Oh, it's a water cooler kind of show. Oh, it absolutely is. Like yeah. when, when yeah. you watch WandaVision, what's what's the very next conversation you have with another human being?
1: The very next conversation is definitely with my nephews and it's definitely about what does this mean You're for- You're talking about WandaVision. The ne- absolutely. because Because also, so, if I mean, when Iron Man, the the first Iron Man came out, very few people knew what the plans were, that there were going to be all these phases and it, there were going to be all these tie-ins. But now that we know that we've got so much more coming from the MCU and we know that they like to tie things in, we're looking at WandaVision and going, I think subconsciously so many of us are saying there could be links to X-Men, Eternals, Fantastic Four. So we're looking at it to dissect and see, okay, I know there's going to be another 10 years of awesome and it's all going to be linked but this is the first new thing we've gotten from marvel after endgame and so everyone's looking at to dissect and foresee what's going to happen next so it's not just a a show of like oh maybe there'll be an end credit scene no we're like what does this mean because that could be eternals what does this mean that could be x-men even though some theories may be off a little bit there's the, the thoughts are very valid because we've got a new lifetime yeah of of yep. stories so it's
0: it's more than water cooler
1: boo yeah. it's like and, and you're
0: right it has made it must yeah. see tv it's not the greatest show in the world but this that episode ends and my life becomes a countdown clock for when does the next episode start because we got to see what happened by the way I think they just announced too. the final three episodes will all be an hour long each. <gasps> they will. That's, that's, that's the report I'm reading right now. So, so yeah. So apparently we're going to, they're going to be an hour long each. So fingers crossed. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, what is next? Gus
1: Ray says, hi, John and Ed and Anne. That episode for me opens up with a theory on the finale of a reverse House of M with Hayward being a pawn of Zemo as an anti-superhero activist, as we all know your history with Carol Danvers line, is a clue to this. This ties into Falcon and Winter Soldier. The antagonist behind this are the Kree and the Skrulls who want a super powered people farm army hm. the final will be Wanda wishing more people
0: had powers I, I again I don't think this is going to be popping up x-men or mutants thing although that is definitely on the table Zemo tying in or being a part of what's going on in WandaVision I see think this is unlikely remember in Captain America Civil War Zemo had laid the plans for years of what he was going to do with this the unsnapping had literally only happened three weeks earlier.
1: It literally had only happened. I keep three forgetting weeks that. I keep forgetting that. Yeah. I, I keep having to remind myself and of, of that time. Yeah. And I'm so glad they laid it out when she's like, it's been three weeks. And yeah. One, like, only has that. I'm, only I'm, literally been
0: back. Everybody's only been back for three weeks. So I don't know that there's any plan. Obviously we've been speculating about the involvement of the Cree um, and the Skrulls. obviously. So, We'll have to see where that goes, but but again, I don't think either people going in and out of the field is causing mutation. I don't think that Monica has her powers yet, but she may. She may. I, I don't. I think they're going to save that for Captain Marvel two, but they might. And I don't think it's going to end with Wanda going. More people with superpowers, and that creates the mutant race. I don't think so. But listen, Gus, your line of thinking there isn't unlike a lot of other people's and you could be right. Let's keep eyes. Right. Let's see how we feel after episode seven. All right, what's next?
1: Ross says, the commercial had me hysterical because it was completely out of nowhere. Also, I believe it symbolizes Vision's death. The shark is Ultron. The yogurt is the Mind Stone and Vision is
0: the kid who dies. I, I, I like how you're trying to connect those dots. But to me, it, it doesn't make sense. There's a reason, listen, when they call something, the watch Strucker, there's a reason they called it Strucker. When they call, when you have the, the Stark toaster, there's a reason the Stark name is on it. The thing was called Yo Magic. That's, that is key. And, you know, the shark directly says, when I'm hungry, I feed on yo magic. There's a reason for that. So I don't think it has anything to do with Ultron. I don't think that symbolized vision because it, it, if that symbolized vision, they did a very bad job of trying to make, because I felt no connection to that at all. I think this was the first commercial that's giving us a little bit of a foreshadowing of what's coming. I think that commercial may have just given us a little bit of a hint into what this show is actually about. And it was the commercial that made me think for the first time that maybe Nightmare is involved. Maybe. I, I still don't think so, but it did that. So I I don't personally think that, but listen, we may find out that it does. We'll keep our eyes on that. Thanks a lot for writing that in, Ross. All right, what's next?
1: Carol vs. Spaceship says, What does it mean? What does that mean that she is the Scarlet Witch? That's what we play into in this show in ways that are entirely fun, entirely funny, somewhat scary, and will have repercussions for the entire future of Phase 4 of the MCU.
0: Kevin Feige, 2019. Yeah, I mean, listen, obviously they still don't refer to her as the Scarlet Witch, but... That's in the name of the character, right? The Scarlet Witch. What does that mean? There's, and we got this, we just talked about the commercial, Yo Magic. There's what they call magic. Thor would call it one and the same with science. But that we are going to get, we are clearly getting more into that and we're going to hear more from that. And that ties in beautifully, Carol versus Spaceships, into what Ross was just talking about. Because I believe that that commercial ties right into exactly what you're saying, Carol. I think that ties exactly into what you're saying. And I think we're going to get more of that And it's only a matter of time. Spot on, spot on. What's that? Yeah, yeah. All right, what's next? K Major says, welcome back, Aaron. You've been missed. All right, so clearly he wrote this in on Friday, and I will make sure Aaron knows that you missed her. Thanks for saying that in, K Major. That was very nice of you, actually. All right, what's next? In comic books we trust. So
1: it looks like WandaVision has opened up some... Some points. Rambo is changing into her superhero form. Vision and Wanda are heading for war against each other. Life only continues when Wanda is around and that Wanda is losing control. Every time she has to assert her control, it seems like she loses control. I absolutely love the kick ass reference. The fourth wall break Malcolm style sitcom humor and the X-Files feel of the vision parts. It's suggesting Pietro is the asset, but that seems way too obvious.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's again, we had this theory that Pietro is actually one of the residents of Westview, one that we haven't seen yet that is now being controlled for some other thing or some other way. I I, I think personally, I think episode six made it very clear he's not. The peter from the x-men fox universe as everybody thought uh but you never know they could pull a fast one and, and we'll see where that goes um i also don't think that this was monica getting her powers I, I really do think it was a as plain as it was darcy was concerned about the health effects hmm. of what going in and out of the barrier represents i don't think it means she's getting her powers yet Now watch, in episode seven, she's totally gonna pull out an energy blast or something, and she's gonna be Photon all of a sudden, or Spectrum, or whatever one of the other seven names she had. Do you think she's got her powers I I totally
1: think it is, because remember, it wasn't just the blood. um, When she got off the table and the young lady said, you're, I might be missing one detail, but when she said, "Your X-rays, I believe. She's like, I tried to take the picture, and there's nothing there i need you to lay back down that's two things with her body so that's a big deal to take an x-ray it's one thing if they're like i see lines going through your body but they're like there's nothing there okay so that's kind of
0: i had unless she doesn't know how to work the machine and that's her problem i'm trying to remember the name what is the name of the profession where that's your job you you take the x-rays you take x-rays of people you're that's your specialty is it a Radiologist. Radiologist? Maybe a radiologist. I had somebody I didn't the- go to med school, please. <laughs> I had somebody write in, one of the viewers write in uh-huh. this week who is a radiologist. Okay. Okay who said actually that what happened in the show <gasps> is actually something is is a phenomenon that can happen if there is heightened levels of uh, either some kind of electric charge. Or radiation, or whatever, which would be consistent with what, what Darcy said that by going in and out of that barrier, okay, there's like a radiation effect where your cells are being altered. So it could be a like really a very straight scientific explanation, or oh, okay, or it could be Monica's now turning into photon or turning into spectrum, whichever, whichever one of her 10 names wow. you want to give her.
1: Oh, so, yeah, I mean, so, good point. Right? Thank you radiologist person. Um, cuz oh, I I didn't know that was I didn't know that was a I thing. I didn't know
0: it either. I didn't know that was a thing. Okay. All so right. So I learned stuff. But you know what's cool? It's consi- that becomes consistent with what we were reading a quote mm-hmm. uh, a week or so ago from the showrunner, the person who created WandaVision, the showrunner mm-hmm. WandaVision, talking about the CMBR uh, radio that thing that's transmitting the television signals. She goes, okay, remember yes. Darcy says yes, 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 yes. there's a high concentration of CMBR, which is like residual radiation from the Big Bang and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's all real. So like the, the person oh, okay. who started the show talked about, I actually was in university and talking to like a, my university roommate who like studies this stuff and like this happens. And I was just trying to think of ways that why would tra- these television transmission signals work? And so this showrunner, she's been trying to find actual science stuff to build into the show and so that would be, cons- but I don't know, it just adds another level to why this wow. show is so creative.
1: That's a brilliant way to keep us guessing when you mix something very real that people don't really know about. With into science fiction. Science fiction. Cause then you do all your research, you're like, oh, that's a thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but who knows? Who knows how they're gonna make it play out though?
1: Okay, what's next? Ian Nguyen Hayward probably wants Wanda taken out no matter what. He conveniently showed full footage of her when he needed to paint her as the enemy and says that she needs to be taken out to solve the issue. He doesn't even want to hear about how they can help her.
0: Well, again, I was yeah. saying this before. Yeah. When you look at the... the He's a hater. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he may be a dick. But again, I was saying when you look at the actions of Hayward in the show so far... Mm-hmm everything that he has said in the show mm-hmm. is actually factually true when he's running like when they're doing that one big conference and he says okay she was taken in by hydra that was true true her first appearance was her fighting against the avengers no lie. he didn't make that up mm-hmm. it, that's true um uh she was at the root cause of things that happened in, in lagos and all that kind of yeah, stuff. yeah she totally killed people factually yeah. true that's true she came to this town, remember at first he thought she was another victim, but now, because Monica came out and told them what was going on, he's hmm. like, she's holding people hostage. That was true.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and she is an omega level powered being doing evil shit To from his perspective, right? From his perspective, doing evil shit. And so while he may be That's acting like true. a giant penis, the reality is, everything he has said is true. And if you were responsible, you may very well be looking at it the exact same way he does. And while I am not saying that means he is not a villain, I'm not saying that he's definitely not a bad guy here. I am saying that his actions are not necessarily the actions of a villain. It's the It could be the actions of a guy who's legitimately on the side of the good guys. But is looking at it a different way than we're looking at it maybe acts like a dick. General Thunderbolt Ross is a good example of that in The Hulk, right? Like, Thunderbolt Ross is on the side of the good guys. Thunderbolt mm-hmm. Ross, um, who is played by, um, oh, what was the the name of the guy? Uh, Sam. Um, he played Ron 2 in Parks and Rec. He played... He played Eagleton. Elliot. Sam Elliot. Uh, Sam Elliot. So Sam Elliot was talking Ross yeah. in, in that first Hulk movie. And then uh, William Hurt. Yeah, I think it's yeah, William Hurt. William Hurt. Uh, t- takes it over, right? William Hurt's a good guy. He's just a giant dick. I mean, that's just he's just a giant dick and maybe comes to wrong conclusions. Mm. But at the end of it, he wants humanity saved. He wants all that kind of stuff. He just, from our perspective, he goes about it the wrong ways. Hayward could be that. And I really do think... That now that he's escaped the expanding hex and Monica and Jimmy ex- escaped, I really think the three of them are gonna be working together. Did they escape or or they were escaped? they? Yeah, because they were getting they were they, like, oh yeah, because they gotta go so, meet her guy over that ridge. They get they she to go get over the ridge Yeah, right? So Darcy didn't get away from it. She got sucked oh. in oh and then it cuts off. And then so really it's I love Darcy. It's Hayward is out. Monica's out Jimmy's out and I actually think they're gonna have to work together Hmm. and I still think we're gonna find out this whole thing about him being the villain I think that was a whole misdirect we'll find out yeah we'll find out um okay anyway let's move on shall we all right next this is coming from Anto Johnston hey
1: John and Anne big fan from the Emerald Isle here Ooh. This last episode of WandaVision was awesome. My question is, seeing Pietro and Vision as corpses, do you think everyone in Westview are victims of Wanda's from her past coming back to haunt her?
0: No, and by the way, I see some people writing in addressing me and Anne, just again to remind everybody. When Anne and I do the WandaVision spoiler things, the way you send in questions for those is not the tip link, but rather the super chat feature in YouTube. That way that helps us separate which questions sent in are meant for the WandaVision spoiler discussion and which questions are meant for the John Campbell show. But no problem, Anton. We will address your question anyway. Um, No, what I think, I said this when she first saw Vision as a corpse, and I think it's consistent with what she's now, when she sees uh, Pietro as a corpse. It's a trauma thing. We have all seen lots of TV shows and movies where they've done this, where you know the person, the, the, your main character there, looks at somebody or something, and instead of seeing what's actually there, they see something that's kind of reflective of their trauma, and that's what they see, and they have a flashback to that or whatever. We've seen lots of TV shows and movies do that. So I think when she looks, that one time she saw Vision, it was her, the reality of the fact that her, her guy's dead, and the, the horror and the trauma of that. Looking at her brother, the horror and trauma of knowing her brother is actually dead. I mean, I think that's what's happening. I don't think these are all like actual corpses walking around, like Night of the Living Dead. So I think it's really just trauma. I I don't know, but I think it is. a question for you. Yes.
1: Does do you feel like Wandavision is starting to feel more and more like Shutter Island?
0: I, I think after this last episode. Now, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, this is a um, Marty Scorsese movie, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I got little hints of that right from episode one and two. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there there was definitely a little bit. I'm not saying that's what they are basing this on at all, but it, it, you'd be crazy not to recognize some of the feel.
1: The way Agnes behaves is making me yeah. feel like this started out as a Shutter Island situation. And I'll just say situation, because if you want to go run and watch it, it's a great idea, yep. but um, I feel like Wanda might have had the key to something, and but in her grief, she was just too deep, and it, it was a Shutter Island situation. But because they sh- they don't understand her powers, she created something that was so much bigger than what they planned, and maybe someone's experiment got out of control. Could be, could be. I- I mean, there's one there's still, of five hundred thousand million theories. There is theories, still a so. lot on the
0: table. Listen, lot even though table. we are down to just three episodes left, mm-hmm. there are still a lot of things that are. When I say on the table, I mean are valid possibilities. There's not so just, many. Not just super obscure so possibilities, but on the table means valid possibilities. And there's, yes, sir. After episode seven, and there's only two episodes left, then those that table gets smaller. But yeah. that is one that's still on the table. All right, what's next? This is from Yusuf Alvi.
1: Hi, John. Love you and your show. Thank you, Yusuf. I've been thinking long and hard about the whole Gina Carano situation. And here's my two cents. First, let me say that I am humble enough to admit that if I am in, if I'm wrong about something or don't know all the facts... Give me a sec here. What Gina did was wrong. She was asked to stop on multiple occasions and she continued. No debate from me there. However, let's not mince words about this. Disney has done things that were worse than putting out edgy tweets. They knowingly filmed Mulan near Muslim concentration camps. They shrunk John Boyega in the star Wars poster in China He was the only change made. Those things to me speak way more as a reflection of Disney than the actor they hired who puts out edgy tweets. That wasn't fine the first time. Let's see here. And you know it's not the last. We can say, well... They're the studio, they're putting up big money for these projects, but it scares me knowing that one of the most wealthy companies in the world can get away with doing things like this.
0: I, again, I, first of all, the John Boyega thing, I I said this before, lots of movies and characters have alternate versions of posters that come up in different countries and they're often different. Certain characters are highlighted more, certain characters are highlighted less, all that kind of stuff. It's a piece of marketing. Remember, I've always said this about marketing and trailers. No actor deserves anything. No actor deserves anything. You deserve a paycheck when you're an actor. How how a company decides to market their film, you don't, earn or deserve anything in any of that and i've had that argument a lot about a lot of different actors because that's an issue that's come out a lot it's like can you believe they downplayed her so much in the trailer it's a trailer it's a piece of marketing the actress was owed nothing this isn't the trailers and, and posters and things aren't for the actors they are for the movie and if the studio feels they need to promote it a certain way in this country they'll do that and to me i've always thought that was a nothing issue i still think it's a nothing issue Ever, and I've thought it's been a nothing issue for over 10 years since we've been d- discussing things like this. That's one thing. Listen, you can go to any company, whether it's McDonald's or Ford or Levi's or Warner Brothers or NBC or, or what, whatever kind of company you want to take, Samsung and Apple, you can talk about, uh, I don't know, Google and whatever else. Every company has skeletons in its closet and Disney is no, ex- is no exception. Disney is no exception, but the, we could play the game of what about isms all day. It doesn't change the situation. It doesn't change the facts, right? You can play, well, what about that? What about that? Isn't relevant to this particular issue or this particular conversation. We can play the game of what about all day. We can play that game all day, but the reality is this, when it comes down to it, whether again, we've done the NHL, NBA, all these types of things were involved when you're involved with a high public profile position, a high public profile position, there are going to be rules and then there are going to be patterns that you are going to have to follow that nobody else in the world does because you also have a privilege that nobody else in the world does. But if we're going to play the game of no actor should ever be held accountable because the company they work for probably did something worse at some point, well, then what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, the government should never prosecute anybody because the government has done much worse things in the past. Absolutely. So what does that mean? That nobody in our society is ever held accountable? I mean, again, I get very uncomfortable with the whatabouts. What about what about what about what about what about that 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 becomes that because it, it's it's just not connected it's not engaged in any way. So the idea that because you know Ford has done some really sketchy things in their past means they should never fire an employee for stealing from them because Ford has done something much worse. Uh, the idea that a Gina Carano can't be let go because Disney at some point in their past, I mean hey let's not sugarcoat it, Walt Disney himself. Was not exactly you know where I I can't even remember the name of the what is the headpiece that the Jewish culture wear I I keep forgetting yarmulke yarmulke. yeah let's face it Walt Disney himself never wore no yarmulkas right there's there's a great joke it's harsh but it's a good joke in Family Guy where they go uh, like imagine if Walt Disney was cryogenically frozen and they they do a cutaway and some guy opens this this uh, frozen chamber Mm -hmm. and out comes Walt Disney. He's like, oh my gosh, what year is it? It's 2006, Mr. Disney. Are the Jews gone yet? No, sir. And he lays back down and closes this thing again. Mm. Harsh. Yeah. But let's face it. Disney, like every company, has a skeleton in his closet. What are we going to say? Well, <laughs> they did bad things before. Therefore, they should never try to do things moving forward. And I, I just don't think that's a valid. I don't think that's a starting point for any kind of discussion. Um. Because yeah, you can point that out with any government, with any company, with whatever, anything. The problem is this, when we, and we all do this, me included, we, we all do this, is that when faced with a really tough situation and scenario, that our preferred outcome isn't going to happen, our last ditch thing is to change the topic, change the subject. Mm. Gina Carano got let go. We can't really defend the reasons why she let go. We can't defend her because, yeah, there was a lot of, okay, let's change the subject. Let's talk about what Disney did with the filming of Mulan. And while that is a valid conversation to have, mm-hmm. let's look at the history of, of anti Semitism in Disney. That is a legitimate it's conversation totally valid. to have. But it's not it this. It cancel out the present. Yeah, it doesn't replace. Yeah. It, you. Like, let's change the subject is not how you deal with situations. And we all do it. I, I'm sure I do it. And the funny thing is, most of the time that we do it, we probably don't even realize we're doing it. You
1: can one-up anything. Yeah. Have you ever seen a corporation or a situation like this? And I feel like with a, with a lot of changes, um, you know... Uh, that that we've seen uh, made in the past year, where a company has come out and said, "You know what? We're not perfect, but you know what? Let's all try to be better." And in an effort to keep our whole, you know, corporate family together, we're going to try to do better. And we've got to encourage our employees to try to do better. And unfortunately, if if everyone can't get on board, there's got to be some consequences. Like like, have you ever seen someone have just like so much transparency to kind of recognize, you know what, our history is not perfect, but has that ever like happened? Like, have you seen that with any like studios or companies? Do you remember a time where- I remember- You were like, thanks corporation, that was really big of you,
0: you know what I'm saying? Wasn't it Wells Fargo that just recently, there was some big controversy around Wells Fargo. And I remember a couple years ago, like their CEO came out, they made this commercial, we as a company have let our customers down in the past, and I, it's you remember this? Like they did that, Anyway, you think about I, n- I,
1: I feel that sounds very familiar. Yes, yeah. that sounds very familiar. And sounds like,
0: and we're so yes. you know, it doesn't live up to the, the the to the ideals that we had when this company was founded, yeah. and blah. And moving forward, we are going to do things better, and we are going to blah blah mm. blah, right? And I do
1: kind of again, it just that. comes
0: down to you know, there's nowhere left to go when the last line of defense is. Let's change topics and talk about something else. Mm. We're talking about Gina Crono, her tweets, the fact that Disney asked her to stop. They didn't want to be associated with what she was tweeting. They didn't want to deal with the controversy she was creating. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about how they filmed Mulan. It, it, we can change topics all day, but it doesn't settle anything. But anyway, that's coming. Kind of so I, I appreciate you expressing that, Yusuf. I think those are valid conversations to have. But again, it's it's not germane to the topic of what Gina did how she chose to respond to the request to stop doing what she did, and her choice to continue doing it, knowing that it would lead to her not working with Disney anymore. It's a totally separate topic. Valid topic, good topics to talk about, but not, but not relevant to the, to the situation at hand. That's how I see it at any rate. All right, what's next?
1: Coming from Scott Brown, a video game property I would love to see turn into a series is Dead Space. It's a fantastic horror series with a rich mythology, and it's one of the scariest games I've ever played. And I think it's a great,
0: it's got a great main character in Isaac. I think it could really work. It's not a game I've ever played, but I know my friend Dennis, well, you guys know Dennis. Uh, I know my friend Dennis has played that uh, a lot, and I know he always spoke very, very highly of it. And listen, Again, we are moving – there is so many big titled video games getting on-screen treatments now. So many of them. Like we just talked about The Last of Us the other day with Pedro Pascal and the girl from uh, from Game of Thrones. We talked about um, Oscar Isaac. He's going to be – I think they said he's going to be uh, uh, Salt Snake. I think there's – maybe it was a different character. But at any rate – We have all these big things. We have more uh, Tomb Raider coming. We have Halo stuff coming. We have, I mean, you name it, it's all coming. So hang on, Scott, just wait a few beats because I wouldn't doubt if at some point we see Dead Space getting adapted too. All right, what's next?
1: GQ says, WTF, John, I listened to your advice and binged Awake in two <laughs> days. Where the heck is season two, three, four, and five with different twists in each? I've never said WTF out loud in any TV show ever, even in Game of Thrones.
0: Did you ever watch Awake? No, sir, I did not. Do you? Okay, so here's the, you guys have heard me say this. So here's the, the premise of Awake. Okay. It stars Jason Isaac, who played Malfoy's dad in, in um, Harry Potter. Okay. And so he is a cop who one day is driving in his car with his wife and his son. He gets into a car crash. He wakes up and finds out that his wife survived, but his son died. Mm. And they go through that day of him and his wife grieving, what happened, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. He goes to bed that night and wakes up the next day but the next day is in a reality where, in that car crash from the other day, his son survived and his wife died. Everything else is completely the same. So was this on NBC? I think it was NBC. I he goes to this. bed again. Yeah. And the next day, he's back in the reality where his wife survived and his son died. And each day, he goes back and forth between yes. those two realities. Mm-hmm. And. It's wonderful. Really? I got so into that show. And what was it? P.T. Wong? What's the name of the actor from Jurassic Park? Um, B.D. Wong. It is. Okay, B.D. Wong. No, mm-hmm. no, no. Is that B.D. Wong? The scientist? Yeah. Is it B.D. B. B. D. Wong? Wong? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Law and order. Um, so he's in it. He's one. Of, he's got two psychologists. He's got one psychologist and one I remember
1: reality. the show. This was like 2009 or something. Somewhere right? around there. Maybe yes. a little bit
0: later than that. I totally remember and it now. This first season finale ends with him about to get his first clue as to what is going on with me. And mm. it got canceled. Dang. And it never got a season two. And I've always wanted to know what happened to Awake. I always wanted to
1: know now that you say i remember it you know why because that sandra bullock movie premonition right uh i don't know if it was around the same time or within a couple of years and i remember seeing the commercial for that show and i literally i think i remember saying oh look they made premonition into a
0: show (laughs) but no it was very different it was it was original it was fresh it was so well done and there was a big crime element as well because he's solving crimes like and using the alternate realities to help him put the puzzle pieces of different crimes together i like this it was so well done and then it got canceled but oh well all right what's next
1: all right, this is from Koa 1708. I've always wondered why is your PayPal company named Carson Drive Media? I would assume it
0: would be John Campia Corp or something, LOL. Okay, so the name of my actual company that produces the John Campia show, that produced my movie, movie trailers, A Love Story, that I do all of my business under, the name of my company is Carson Drive Media. That's the name of my company and uh it is named carson drive media and you probably guess this because it's the street i grew up on it's a street i grew up on on the uh, east mountain of hamilton ontario canada i grew up at 56 carson drive um i probably shouldn't have just given that address away. now whoever's living in my old house says, why are all these people driving by our house <laughs> but yeah i grew up on 56 carson drive and um you know, the, and like a lot of us you look back our childhood, the best years of my life, man. I, I loved Carson Drive. And so when it came time that I had to set up a, a corporation and an LLC for my business, um, that was the only name I considered. I went right to Carson Drive Media. So that's why that's the case. Thank you for asking, man. I hope that clears that up. All right. What's next? Coming from Rob Tari.
1: I don't think it's that hard to explain to audiences that the X-Men are in a separate Avengers-less universe that gets visited sometimes. I think it would be best to introduce them into the MCU and not have them... And not have to ruin their rich history. Guardians are out in space and only cross over in Avengers films. And we accept that. I think it's totally cool if Doctor Strange 2 or WandaVision sets up a multiverse to explain that X-Men have their own existence and that we can visit it occasionally.
0: Done. Listen, I have said ever since they announced. Well, first, look, when Fox was up for sale. I was actively cheering for Universal. To get Fox, because remember there was a big bidding war for uh, for Fox between Disney and uh, Universal and Comcast is the name of the company that owns Universal. So between Comcast and Disney, and I was actually cheering for Comcast to get them. Oh, really? I was, and the main reason I was cheering for Comcast to get them was because I really feel it's best for X Men to be in their own separate universe. Like, hmm. it's getting out of hand. Like, the, the Marvel universe is so overcrowded. And it's like, it's and now whenever there's a new movie, whenever something happens, right? Everybody's yeah. asked, well, wh- 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 why doesn't Dr. Strange go and help? Whenever yeah. something happens another one, well, I don't get it. This is a big deal. Why doesn't Thor come down and help? Whenever something else, why didn't Captain Marvel show up there? Like, it's happening because- Too many useful powers. There are yeah. so many characters now mm-hmm. that there is- Nothing unique about the superhero anymore. When you yeah. used to watch the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies, mm-hmm. he was unique in the universe. When you mm-hmm. watch Christopher Nolan's Batman films, Batman was unique in the world. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody's got a superpower. Like I used to joke, on the corner, every 7 Eleven, on every corner, there's five superheroes at night patrolling for crime because <laughs> there's so many of them. And now yeah. we're going to bring 400 X Men universe characters into that as well. Mm-hmm. So, I, right from the beginning, I was cheering for Comcast. I wanted Mm. Comcast to win that bidding war Mm. and they didn't. And so I still think the best thing for, for them to do is to create a completely different cinematic universe for the X-Men. I really do think that, but it's not what they're going to do. They're going to bring them in and integrate them in with everything else in Marvel. And we're just going to have 400 more characters running around. And I don't know, like, here's the other great thing. Marvel can only put out so many movies a year. Mm -hmm. when we had Sony and Fox and Disney Mm -hmm. and Warner Brothers, Mm -hmm. we were getting so much great comic book movie content, right? Mm -hmm. Now, yes, Fox did make X-Men Origins Logan and they did make X-Men That got confusing
1: for a little bit, yeah.
0: (laughs) And they did make, you know, X-Men Dark Phoenix, but they also made X-Men 1 and X-Men 2. And they also made... Yeah, you know Logan, and they also made Deadpool, and they also made Deadpool Two, and they made X Men: Days of Future Past, and they made X Men: First Class, and like we just had another company making so many great movies. I don't know. I I would kind of like that. So I don't think that's what they're gonna do, Rob. I really don't think that's what they're going to do. I like your idea, though. I like your idea very much, Rob. I think your idea is great, but I don't think it's what they're going to do. I hope they listen to you, though, my friend, because we all know that right now, Alan Horn, Kevin Feige, Bob Iger, Bob Chapek, they're all watching this show right now. We all know that. They're watching it right now, hanging on every word I say. And I hope they hear your idea, Rob. And they go, you know what? That Rob Tari guy from the John Campy show, which we watch every day. We think that guy's got a point. We think he's got a point. So I hope that's the case. But by the way, they don't watch the show. Just, just saying, all right, what's next? You never know, keep hope alive. Never know. <laughs> all right, Ryan Lawner
1: says, maybe the Mandalorian can take inspiration from Poochie from the Simpsons and say
0: Cara Dune died on the way to her home planet. Oh, right. I don't remember Poochie from the Simpsons. I've watched a lot of Simpsons, <laughs> but the reality is there's a lot of seasons of Simpsons I've never seen that I'm going to have to get caught up in some way. So I'm not quite sure about that. But yeah, listen, again, I don't think they're going to recast Cara Dune. I just think they're going to say she had to go to this other end of the galaxy. There, she's gone. Because I believe if there's any similarity between this and the James Gunn situation when they fired his ass, that they like to keep their options open. And I think if you recast Cara Dune there is no option to ever bring back uh, Gina Crono. There's no option to ever bring her back. I'm not saying they're planning on bringing her back. I'm just saying, I think Disney likes to keep their options open, and therefore, I don't think they'll recast. Because even if it's less than a 1% chance, I think they're going to want to leave that option available to themselves that, hey, listen, if over the next year, we're able to have some back-channel communication, we're able to come to a resolution. Mm. We're able to, she's able to convince us that we can trust her again and mm. all this kind of stuff and all, then let's bring her back. That would be a big win for them. That would be a big win for Gina Carano. It's always a good story when broken relationships get fixed. I'm not saying it'll happen, but that's why I think they will do something like that, Ryan, to just write Cara Dune out of the story and then leave it open that they could bring her back sometime in the future if they choose. It may be a long shot, but I just like to think that that sort of thing can be possible. And it happened with James Gunn, so maybe. All right, what's next?
1: War Doctor 10 says Hi, John. With the Luke Skywalker type cameo coming up I think that it won't be McKellen and Stewart but it will be Fassbender
0: and Stewart so we get the best of both worlds what are your thoughts I don't think it's any of them to be honest with you I love the idea of it being McKellen or Patrick Stewart or James McAvoy or Michael Fassbender these are things that the world would buzz about I don't really think it'll be any of them, but I believe, like we were talking about the table, I believe these are options that are on the table because they would shake the world. If any of those combinations, Fassbender, McAvoy, McKellen, Stewart, any of them show up, the world's going to shake. And I think it would be great. But if I had to put five bucks on it, I don't think any of them are showing up. So I think it's probably a moot point anyway, but can you imagine War Doctor? How cool would it be if they did? Let me ask you this, Kimberly. Hmm. If only one of those four mm-hmm. could show up—Patrick Stewart or James McAvoy as Professor X, mm-hmm. Ian McKellen or Michael Fassbender as Magneto—if you could pick only one of them showing up, what do you think would have the biggest impact?
1: It would have to be Fassbender Stewart. Oh, um, I mean, I mean,
0: just one, not coming. Oh, just only one. One of the four.
1: Um, I would say Stewart. You know why? Because I agree. he has the longevity of Logan. Like mm. you know how Logan, uh, we're we're so what is it? Twenty years? Twenty two years that Since Hugh Jackman that came Hugh up Jackman has yeah, played couple, Wolverine
0: twenty two years. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and also the cool thing is, even though Logan was um, continuity wise, but in 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 style ways, Logan was so different
0: <laughs> yeah. than
1: all the X Men movies. Patrick Stewart was still in it. Yeah, nobody else. Um, from that I remember from the original team yeah. was in that. And so it's Stuart really follows it follows wherever X Men go, so to speak. He follows it well. He doesn't follow it like, why would you put that guy in there? It doesn't really like fit, doesn't make sense. It would be like, uh-huh, because in our hearts he is Professor X. I don't care what continuity thing you're doing, I don't care what part of the universe you're in. In our hearts, he's Professor X, whatever you do. Just like Wolverine. I agree. We're like, I don't care what you do. Wolverine is 6'1", and he's Leopold, so.
0: (laughs) All right, what's
1: next? This comes from Caleb. Ready to feel old? Like I don't already. The Phantom Menace is now as old as the original Star Wars was when the Phantom Menace came out. Everyone go count your grace. Wow. Um, To quote Baby Driver quoting Shrek 3, they grow up so
0: freaking fast. Is that true? (laughs) Is that true? Because, so, okay, so let's see. When did, when did uh, Phantom uh, Menace uh, uh, release date? When did Phantom Menace come out? It came out in 99. So that meant it was 22 years. Holy shit. You're right. Phantom Menace (laughs) is now as old. Phantom Menace is now as old as Star Wars was. That's so messed up. My homecoming float was
1: Phantom Menace. <laughs> no, really? I'm not going to say what year I was in high school. One of the homecoming floats our our high school was like we had some crazy tech kids. We had like the I remember the parents being like we had helicopters come down, we had a Mission Impossible guy. He came to our, it was out of control. Um
0: yeah, Phantom Menace was one of my homecoming floats. Okay, hold second. I I am literally as we're speaking, I, I have, to, have to get I on have Twitter. To say
1: that because now I'm like feeling.
0: <laughs> wow um, Wow, wow. Also, I'm putting this on Twitter right now. I've Man. got to repeat what you just said. Okay, so so the bro, um, time flies. Uh, yeah, yeah. Time flies. I'm fly. 21, by the way. <laughs> I'm putting this on. Also, the the Phantom uh, Menace uh, is now as old um, as Star Wars was. When Van uh, thanks Caleb. Phantom menace came out. Uh, Oh my god! Okay, I I, yeah I gotta. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like, sorry, I I had to tweet that out. That is. Oh my gosh! Because somebody else wrote that. Wrote in something similar the other day. Only it wasn't as stark. It was. Do you realize now that Batman Begins is now as old as. The Tim Burton Batman was when Batman Begins came out, and I was like, "Oh my god, really?" And now some, what? <laughs> yeah, Come on, isn't that crazy? Come on, guys. But this one, <laughs> this one feels much <laughs> harsher to me. This one feels I much right harsher now. to me. It just feels a little bit too real to me. That's- wow! Oh my god! Wow! Okay. Well, thanks for that, Caleb, for nothing, you, you asshole. Caleb. Okay, what's, what's <laughs> next?
1: You're awesome, Caleb. Um, Dean V.C. Ralph, excuse me one minute, guys. My computer decided to remind me that it's alive and well and give me attention by disappearing my page.
0: Technology. You know what? I'll read the question for this one while you get the one. Thank you. Up. Uh, Dean V.C. Ralph writes uh, Hey, John. He writes, do you think Hayward is building Sentinels? Uh, That's why they had Vision. In episode four, he says they refocused on robotics and sentient weapons. Uh, He doesn't like superpower individuals, and he's starting to sound like Bolivar Trask. Uh, Listen, other than the fact that I don't think when Kevin Feige was putting Marvel together, he was writing anything to incorporate X-Men stuff, because when he was putting Marvel together, sorry, when he was putting WandaVision together, they still... He, as far as he knew, he, they had no rights to do anything mm. with uh, X-Men or anything like that. Other than that, Dean, your theory is near perfect. I mean, really. you're you, you, Again, there that's are a, lots yeah, of theories yeah, that point. no dots connect. But every once in a while, you come across theories that whether they're right or wrong, you can't deny the dots connect. The fact, like studying vision to build Sentinels, that's not far-fetched the fact that he did say we are now focusing more on ai and stuff like that that's totally consistent his reference to his a little bit of disdain for superpowered individuals that's consistent with that so i mean again i don't think so because i don't believe there are going to be any actual x-men references in this show but other than that one hang up of mine that theory is as good as any theory that i've heard dean so a uh, good job piecing that one together very well done All right. We're ready to move on to the next one. Back to the land of the living. All right. What's next?
1: Lizerton says, Pietro called the twins demon spawns, giving me major Mephisto vibes.
0: Yeah, but I've heard a hundred sitcom and movie characters refer to children as little, little (laughs) devils, little demon spawn. I mean, again, it's us searching for something to attach meaning again, though. I said before, I don't think Mephisto is at play here, but he is one of those guys on the table. Very well could be. Let's see how this turns out. All right. What's next?
1: Power is power says Mickey. Hey boys and girls. This is like the worst Mickey voice. Hey boys and girls. We've got a full thirty-eight minutes of new WandaVision content for you this week. Ha ha ha. Vision. Stop lying to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <I've, laughs> Thank you. That's by way the better. way, you, you are more than welcome to do the entire rest of the show in that voice if Absolutely you like. You not. <laughs> hey kids. <laughs> by the way, the South Park Mickey Mouse is so funny. Get back over here, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, the South Park Mickey Mouse is so good. Um, okay, yeah. But again, power is power. It sounds like, it sounds like we're going to get an hour. I mean, again, these are the reports I haven't read. I listen. full disclosure. I haven't done any research on this i just saw a couple of quick headlines as i was waking up this morning you know i you know grab my ipad when i wake up i just check the news see what's going on i saw a couple of headlines saying that the final three episodes are going to be an hour long each so might have good things coming my friend might have good things coming all right what's next Keith says aaron cummings why wasn't the original
1: cast of the lincoln lawyer cbs version crossed over to netflix
0: uh again aaron's obviously not here that question came in really late that's a good question i I don't know the answer to that so there was obviously a disconnect there so i don't know but i will definitely ask aaron that question the next time i see her because that was one of the shows she was attached to as well so good question though man i unfortunately she's not here that's one of the risks here but i will follow up with her and ask her that all right what's next
1: this, this is coming from Sam Fisher. So glad to see Aaron back. Aaron, I did a recent rewatch of Blue Bloods, and I completely forgot you're in an episode. I always get a kick out of seeing you in projects because I have this weird
0: relationship with you through TGCS. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, Sam. I... I never even knew she was in an episode of Blue Bloods. So listen, I am i am constantly, it doesn't matter how long I've known Erin, I am constantly coming across and he's like, what the hell, I had no idea you were in this. The only reason I found out she was in The Disaster Artist was because I was watching Disaster Artist and all of a sudden there she is on screen. I'm like, what, what? And then I go outside the theater, it's like, you didn't tell me you were in this. And she's like, oh, I forgot. And then That's I'm watching awesome. like one of my favorite shows, The Blacklist. How cool. And then like, she's like the main character of one of the episodes. I'm like, you never told me you were in Blacklist. Oh, I totally forgot now. <laughs> She knows. You go, girl. She knows I love. The, she just forgets. You go. I think she forgets to tell okay. me. Now she knows very well that Lucifer is one of my favorite shows on TV. She knows that, and so when she got cast to be in uh, in oh an episode gosh. of Lucifer, I was the first person she told. I'm like, what? Because like her best, like her best friend. Um, is the girl who plays... I don't know if you watch Lucifer. I don't. Oh, you should. Yeah, gotta check it out. Gotta put it on the list. Okay. um, Anyway, the girl who plays like Lucifer's main right-hand person, um, um, uh, Maze, or her demon name is Mazikeen, but they call her Maze. And yeah. so yeah. The Girl Plays Maze was actually in Spartacus with Aaron. So Aaron and her met in Spartacus and they've been become best friends. Cool. So, Beans. so she got to be on Lucifer and so she made sure I knew about the Lucifer thing. And I'm like, oh my that God, so I can't cool. wait for her to be Lucifer, to be in Lucifer. And all, But no, seriously, Aaron is popping up in things all the time that I had no idea she was awesome. going to be in. It happens all the time. All right, thanks for that, Sam. All right, what's next?
1: Anonymous says, face off duo, Samuel Jackson, Lawrence Fishburne, you're welcome, Hollywood. I
0: I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just like
1: the cadence of their speech is so different. And it's like that they couldn't pass off each other because Lawrence falls back on that slow, so good John
0: Wick, and Samuel's like. <laughs>
1: like did, you watch, um, did you ever watch?
0: Did you ever watch? Hannibal. No. with Matt, uh, Mads Mickelson. No. so Lawrence Fishburne is in there and he's got that and this is the way he's he's so good and everything but I don't see that as a big time thing mm. again I am way more on the train of Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman that I'm totally on that train for face-off 100% all right uh, what's next Chris Tom says,
1: started watching your show with WandaVision and this is my first time commenting. The formula The Mandalorian seems to be following is similar to Arrow season one. Just make a good show with a good story. Season two, introduce popular characters and expand in season three, Flash, etc. Thoughts?
0: I don't think that's, again, I don't even think Wandavision's getting a season two. I really I don't. So but you're right. I mean, The Mandalorian um, does kind of seem to follow that pattern the mandalorian does if we're going to focus on that the mandalorian does and like here's the thing some people will complain about mandalorian particularly season two is like you know they just they people don't want episodic stuff they just want one big story and what i constantly try to refer to people is that listen john favreau has been very clear about what the style of the show is it is the old western kind of thing and literally like people are like i'm more interested in the journey here's the thing The, the journey is the story. Every episode of the Mandalorian was the next part, the next leg, if you will, in Mando's journey, getting to where he needed to be. And so they were kind of presented in individual episodic segments, but each part was a piece of the puzzle that fits together to create one long journey. The journey is the story. It's not like, is this. where's the story? All we're seeing is, is different parts of the journey. The journey is the story. And I think you're right. Arrow season one, which arguably might've been, I, well, actually I think Arrow season two was probably the best season of Arrow. But Arrow season one was great, but it was very much that. It was going through his father's book of names and trying to, be, to you know, bring to justice those who have failed his city. And, and that worked because the journey was Arrow's story. And then it evolved. You're right. The next season, they started doing these things. So there are some similarities, Chris. That's a really good observation. Well done. All right. What's next?
1: Teddy D says, Hi, John. Multiple delays for Black Widow make me believe there is a big phase four setup and why they want to keep a theater release. Otherwise, it's just a backstory movie about a character whose fate we already know. Am I selling this movie short?
0: Cheers. I think you and I have both been selling the movie short. Listen, every time I think the MCU has something's kind of coming out that's just going to kind of be side story, not important. They make it incredibly important. And like, for instance, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ant-Man 2. Like, yeah. That looks like a totally separate thing, but now as Fun. you stand back and you look at it in terms of the overall MCU. It had the keys to everything. How important was Ant-Man and the Wasp yep. to our overall understanding of the MCU? Yep. I, I think you're right. But also I do think there's a basic business thing here. Mm-hmm. The whole premise is we invested all these hundreds of millions of dollars into this movie because we believe this movie has the potential to be a $700, $800 billion film that, will, that finances all the other movies we get to do later on. It finances all the shows we make for Disney+. Plus. It does all of these things. And we're going to do that really soon. But I also believe you're right. I believe there is something about something that is inherently in this Black Widow movie, even though the movie itself is a bit of a prequel. Then again, so is WandaVision. WandaVision's a prequel, really, because in the MCU timeline, we're already eight months ahead of it. And this happens eight months ago. But still, I think you're right. There's something, I think there's gonna be something incredibly important in it. Whether or not WandaVision's any, WandaVision, whether or not Black Widow is any good, that we'll have to wait and see. But I do think there's probably something very important in it. So there you go. All right, what's next?
1: Helen Highwater says, personally, I think an actor's view on politics are as interesting as a baker's view on astronomy. (laughs) It is irrelevant to me. They could be Satanists for all I care. Just make good movies and shows.
0: Yeah, I I agree. Now, listen, I have no problem with any actor, performer, whether it's Clint Eastwood or whether it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson coming out and say, hey, this is my position politically. You know, Dwayne Johnson caused a bit of a thing. Just when he came out and just said, hey, personally, I'm endorsing Joe Biden. I have no problem with that. When a Clint Eastwood comes out uh, during his, I'm trying to remember whether it was against the race against McCain or whether it was the race... I I can't remember exactly who he lost uh, or whether it was against uh, Romney. But, um, you know, Clint Eastwood came out and he said, hey, I I endorse John McCain. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Say I'm politically lean left. I politically. But when you get involved in specific hot button issues that are really controversial and all that, that's a different thing. And uh, some studios are okay with that. Some studios are like, no, we want to stay out of that entirely. It is what it is. So I see where you're saying there, Helen, and I appreciate where you're saying. Can I ask you a question? Yes, absolutely. You know what it makes me think of is
1: um, like the magic of Disney and how if you go to the Disneyland parks, there's so many rules for the princesses that oh, come yes. out. And yes. because it's that experience, because it goes into... Um, you know when you test your clients, and your clients are these little girls, and you you grow up and having your wedding, you're like, I remember when Disney is so much about the magic. Yeah, it's it's almost like a princess keeping your hair up with hmm. the tiara on, and you're like four o'clock. I'm done with my shift. Let's get the Uggs going and my whatever sweatshirt, and you walk through the park instead of out to the parking lot that's kind of what it feels like sometimes when iconic characters or almost like i mean the mandalorian's like working its way to being iconic yeah that's kind of what it's like whether you agree or not because you could be like okay i vibe with that but you i i I feel like i just saw cinderella walk through the park (laughs) with her crown and her uggs on like cussing out her boyfriend like you know, that's just kind of what it feels like. It's, it's, it's almost like read the room. You work for Disney. It's about magic. I could be like, I vibe with you, girl, or totally disagree, but don't take the magic away.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. That's a good point of view. Just All right. What's next?
1: Jesse writes, my dumb theory about how Cap grew old with Peggy. My head canon is that Steve lived his life with Peggy in an alternate timeline where they could be together. Then, after she died, he used the quantum wristband thing to return the main timeline. I don't know. You
0: know, I kind of thought that at one time, That's and then somebody debunked that because it's like, no. Because if he had used the device to come back into this timeline, he would have appeared right in that spot where they were waiting for him to appear. He just would have appeared much Hmm. older. But as Kevin Feige said, that he was present at that funeral, he's in somehow this timeline. And again, that was brought up with the Endgame writers. Hmm. It's like, wait a minute, when he does the change in the timeline that's supposed to create a brand new timeline so how did he just hang around in this timeline and he's still here and that was one of the things that the writers just went not everything is completely logically consistent in the movie all right they just came out and admitted that i think this is one of those things so but again you're thinking totally along the right lines there jesse totally wrong along the right lines all right what's next Mark Amorosi
1: says over or under that the aerospace engineer Monica is referring to in Juan Division is Reed
0: Richards. I'm going to set the over under on that at twelve percent, which is not infinitesimal. That's not the tiniest. I mean, but I still think I like it's highly figure. unlikely. But listen, there's no denying we were talking about this the other we day. Tight, ta- yeah. That if re- if they cut to them pulling up, Monica and Jimmy show up and meet with somebody and the door of a car opens and out steps John Krasinski as Reed Richards. The, that'll be the earth shakes kind of movement. The I inter- will break my phone. I will throw you it will throw things. Through That's the why television. you're not coming over to watch it with us. Yeah. I like my TV like this completely. Intact. Yes. <laughs> I, it would be insane. I think it is very unlikely, but not infinitesimal. I will set the chances at 12 percent chance that that happens what if you had to give it a percentage chance Kimberly where would you set the chances at out of a hundred yeah not what would you how much would you want it okay what do you think the actual chance let me scale back it actually back uh, I would say like 30 percent Woo! you're gonna go that high 30
1: I am gonna go high yeah all right yeah. We'll, we'll, we're only what it's I five mean, days away 30 now. out of 70 it's not it's not it's not that great. yeah all right what's next <laughs> A.V. Kelly says, crazy theory, bringing in the X-Men mutants, Monica, if she goes back to the Wakanda paradox, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, back to the Wanda paradox, she will once again be exposed to massive radiation. What if all those Westview residents, the thousands of them, are getting
0: exposed to radiation and thus mutants are born. Yeah we've addressed this several times already and again listen I I get it we're always looking for ways all of us fans do this all the time Uh, it's like I thought uh, look with the two characters were having dinner in the restaurant. The cheese in the corner was the color of red on its wrapper. Iron Man wears a red suit of armor. There's a connection. Like we all do Somebody's this to me all the, on the time. Details. We do this all the time. I do it, you do it. I, I again do it. and there are logical reasons to maybe think that here. Again, I still don't think at all when again, when Kevin Feige was planning Wound Division, he had no idea they were getting X-Men and he couldn't write in X-Men things to it. Doesn't mean he didn't have a lot of time to change his mind if he wanted to, but I still don't think that's the case. But it could be. It's on the table. Let's see where they go. All right, what's next?
1: Scott Brown says, this Carano thing is driving me crazy. People are in outrage. She should have the right to her own opinion. True, you do have the right to your own opinion, but when you express that opinion on a public forum, there are going to be consequences. This is
0: nothing new. More specifically, when you work with a high-profile, high-visibility company where you now become associated with them, you have to keep that in mind when you're making big public Uh, statements ask anybody who works like for a big media company like they have to be very careful you can't do that again we've gone over the issues of things like the nhl or the nba Mm -hmm. has some very strict. the nfl protect the shield in the nfl when you have a unbelievably unique high-level position of privilege and money like Gina Carano had or NHL players have or NBA players have, you are just going to have to live by a little bit of a different set of rules than everybody else gets to live by for a little while. Mm. And that's just one of the cases. So, yeah, it is what it is. All right, and I think we're down to our final question of the day. What is our final question of the day?
1: Yes, A.V. Callie says, at the end of WandaVision, she ends by saying, no
0: more miracles. I don't know what that would mean, though. Do, with, like, does that does any exhibition of superpowers considered a miracle? Does that mean they're going to have to cancel Thor Love and Thunder because Thor no longer has powers? Or, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, it would all depend on what you mean by miracles,
1: I am, look. Because Hulk is a science experiment. Technically, he's not a miracle. Who's he's who's that? Hulk
0: with the radiation. Hulk technically the gamma, is a science experiment, you know? right? Thor so, says what you call magic and others call science. We at Asgard, we see them as one and the same, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so it yeah. would all depend on what that definition is, I suppose. But I do believe, like I said before, I believe WandaVision will end with a version or variation of that iconic House of M line. When Wanda says, no more mutants, she's going to say, no more something what it's going to be i don't know but i believe it is going to be something all right guys that will do it for this we are now all caught up that'll do it for this installment of the companion video guys thank you so much for being here and of course again a big thank you to kimberly curran for being here and doing all this stuff Kimberly, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And again, where can people follow you on social media if they would like to do that?
1: You guys can follow me on Instagram at wuzgoodkimberly. that's W-U-Z and Kimberly is spelled K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y.
0: Was good, Kimberly, on Instagram. Make sure you guys go and follow her. Guys, thank you for taking the time to watch this episode. It's always humbling and honoring that you guys would take some of the time in your day to watch this stuff. Also, special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. Also, for those of you guys who have been waiting on part two of the WandaVision spoiler discussion, that video is also going up today. Uh, Robert Meyer Burnett is hosting that one. So keep your guys' eyes open for that. All right, guys. That will do it for me. Thanks a lot for being here. Don't forget to join us again tomorrow for the John Campy Show. we got a lot of good things to talk about, including WandaVision, New Justice League trailer, all sorts of stuff. Make sure you come back and join us. That's it for now, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends... Ha-ha!